podcast contains language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. There will also be spoilers for serial experiments laid throughout the course of this episode. Please use caution in case we discuss a series that you haven't finished. Finally, the opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and may not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Welcome, dear listeners, to another episode of Dub Talk, where we cover the latest and greatest in English anime dubs. Uh, but not tonight, because the thing we're covering is old as hell. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> that, that we're starting out. We're, we're, Re- regular, we're, rip off that band-aid! Let's go! <laughs> Re- regular listeners will note that I made the same joke in the Wicked City episode because I'm a predictable human being. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, at that, that one, but, you could argue that, no, it's not the latest, sure, but it could still be counted among the greatest. Uh, this one might not qualify for late or great. The show, the, I would argue the show, though. The, the dub, yeah, the dub might not be The dub, great. yes. The show would qualify, <laughs> I think, in that well, regard. Well, we, we will get into that. Yes. Um, but unlike Mix City, we're not covering some uh, late 80s sleaze. No, no, we're covering something much more classy and dignified. <laughs> Uh, if, if the Criterion Collection put out anime, this is the kind of thing it would put out. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We are, we are friends, we are going back to the very, very end of the 90s. Back when uh, history was over and we were all going to make money off the internet and live forever. Ah, uh, before What, what Halicon days those were. Oh, man. You remember starting your first webpage and thinking you're going to be rich off of it, and then uh, they all failed by 2002? <laughs> Uh, you, mean, you mean like how uh, you mean like how pets.com went under because it didn't occur to them that it's really expensive to ship things like you know uh, pet food because it's really heavy. Exactly. Uh, oh, I, I, I remember pet stores. It was, <sighs> it was, it was, it was, it was a time. The folks. good old days. Uh, and, you've uh, unlocked a cord memory in me now. How? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be out here making GeoCity jokes, but that's actually probably before me. Uh, Angel Fireman, that's the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> which 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 dead web hosting service was your favorite, kids? Leave a comment Post below. The cast. <laughs> okay, here's an easy way to date yourselves. Like what what version of Windows were you guys using when you were kids? I don't know what version of Windows. In, in, in 1990, in 19 in the late 90s, I think it was Windows 95 by that point, right? Probably. Here's the real question. Which internet browser did you have? Oh, Netscape, definitely. There yeah, we go. That's I what probably I had, had too. Little, yeah, that, I little, that, little, that little lighthouse, that's my guy. The little uh, steering yeah. wheel icon for me. Yeah, I'm, pre- yeah, I'm pretty sure I had a lighthouse when I just, I don't remember what it was. Internet Explorer. <laughs> uh, the younger people listening to this are like, there was an internet before 2006? Oh, you, for the younger people in this audience, this is going to be... 
I, I, I feel safe saying we're probably among the last generation who can watch uh, a show like this without having to have a lot of context explained to them because we're old enough to remember all this crap. But yeah. It's new. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of which, you're probably wondering, what are we talking about? Well, that's very easy. Uh, we are talking about uh, 1998's Serial Experiments Lane. Directed by uh, Ryutaro Nakamura, written by Chikai J. Kanaka, original character designs by Yoshitoshi Abe. That's like the per trifecta of the perfect artist right there. Uh, <laughs> Abe Abe's a nice man, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I have opinions I will get to later. <laughs> oh, Indeed. boy. <laughs> shout, out to, shout out to Mr. Nakamura, who passed away um, about 10 years ago, I think. Uh, yeah, R.I.P. He uh, did good shit. He's sorely missed. Yeah. He made the good version uh, of Kino's Journey. <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk about that other one. No. Um, but anyway, uh, I think who are we, by the way? <laughs> oh, yeah, We're sure. just four idiots talking well, that, for like five minutes. <laughs> that's the that's the question of the show, isn't it? You know, who am I? <laughs> who am I really? <laughs> am I really who I am? Where am oh, I? Which version? Ident uh, you're correct. I identity is very important to the show. We should probably introduce ourselves. Probably. Uh, hi, uh, I'm Amon. I'm your host on this madcap ride. Uh, uh, on, over here, we have Lilac. Hello. Present day. Present time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Jet. Present day. Present time. <laughs> And yes. Noah. Under Lane's recommendation in one of the episodes, to avoid static electricity while being close to your computer, I'm going to be recording this episode with no clothes on. Oh, good for you. I'm glad this isn't in a visual medium. <laughs> Noah, now I'm sad. You didn't do the thing either after Jet and I did it. <laughs> I thought it would be a good PSA. All you people out there who spend a lot of time in front of your computers, avoid static electricity. You should have the least amount of clothes on as possible. I mean, as a, I mean, okay, I mean, in fairness, that's only really to you if you're, like, doing computer repairs. Which this lady absolutely has. But you're not right now, so why, why where's your know pants, that. Noah? I, I, I could be, I could be uh, uh, reformatting Twitter to actually use the original icon. You don't know. <laughs> Do I need to get Jenny in there to kick your ass and put pants on again? Like, what you is can't. happening? I don't know. How would you do that? I will figure it out. <laughs> Some Black Mirror stuff going on around here. Anyways. <laughs> yes, we're your hosts. Uh, if you want to click off now, maybe do that and take this as an opportunity to escape while you still can. Because <laughs> once you're in the rabbit hole, you're not coming back out. Yeah, pretty much. I don't I don't know what the final time on this is going to be, but it's, it's probably not going to be short, I feel like. Something tells me. Deep down. <laughs> um... Anyway, so we're, we're, we are your crew. We are covering Serial Experiments Lane. What's it about? Well, Lane's hard to summarize because it's artsy and confusing on purpose. Uh, but there's a plot summary on ANN, so let's try that out and see if you can suss out what's going on. Uh, Lane Iwakara appears to be an ordinary girl with almost no experience with the computers, yet the sudden suicide of a schoolmate and a number of strange occurrences conspire to pull Lane into the world of the Wired where she gradually learns that nothing is what it seems to be. Not even Lane herself. Uh, and then uh, it further descends into madness, discussions of identity and God and conspiracy 
and um, uh, people just dying abruptly and, and guys in black suits. Yeah, uh, long story short, this is basically just like a bunch of thoughts about what people kind of thought and or feared that it would be like in uh, the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for, unfortunately, they were they were largely right in the most depressing way possible. <laughs> yeah. In, in the sense that the internet would um, uh, exasperate people's uh, uh, sense of loneliness and depression, certainly, oh, yeah. by making us all connected and realizing that we all have a lot of the same emotions. Not resolving any of those emotions, just feeling everyone's emotions. Right. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot to see this thing from 1998, and it's like, wow, they just pegged everything great and terrible about the internet right from the beginning. Shit. No, yeah, it's uh, it's so weird. Like, yeah. oh, man. Is it, is it, yeah, is it, yeah, there are maybe one or two okay boomerisms in here, but otherwise it's, it, it's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it okay boomer if you're, like, a young person at the time? Because they had no idea at the time. They, they were just going off of, like, the internet had been publicly available for about 10 years at this point, And they were just like, look, we're in this dystopian cyberpunk-induced world. And, and keeping in mind that this came out near the end of the century, so people were already kind of doomsday cultish about the end of the world coming up. So it's uh, not like yeah. they were inaccurate. Yeah, 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 that, yeah, that part. Millennium fever. Yeah. It's very interesting how some of the... Um, the, the, the themes and viewpoints of technology from Lane, like I had this realization, it's still prevalent even now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, I feel but, like we should pro- I feel like we should probably preface this by saying we might actually end up talking more about the show than the dub, but uh It's very possible. <laughs> yeah, which isn't a bad all... which isn't a bad thing. It's also not a good thing for why we're here, but I digress. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll, we, will, we will definitely get into that, but I think that, that's, a, that's a valid point we're definitely going to end up talking about because of what the show is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I'm glad um, they did dub this, though. I'm glad that, that this seems oh, like yeah. an unlikely kind of thing to have been dubbed in the time of the Shonens and the Magical Girls shows that were being dubbed at the same time. And this yeah. little it, random oddity got in a dub in a time when that wasn't a thing usually being dubbed. Uh, I, I, I mean, it, it, I, I mean to be fair, the hardcore uh, anime home video market was like, I mean, it was still kind of in its infancy, but it had been around for like a few years. By that point. Yeah, it it, it 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 does feel very telling that like circa like the late '90s, early 2000s, stuff like this could get like a dub. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, like if this came out now, like, I mean to be honest, uh, things like this don't come out nowadays. I'm, I was trying no. to think of a show that is like this, and the no, only show for yeah. the last like five years I can point to that even vaguely resembles this is like sunny boy and that's mostly just that it also is not interested in easy answers mm-hmm. no more yeah than like any particular thematics like that's it like it's it's just sunny boy yeah lane <laughs> is a very like unique show in that regard yeah we, we don't get a lot of abstract stuff in anime anymore mm-hmm. there's 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 no money there's no money in being this ambitious on tv these days it's very tragic it's very upsetting <laughs> honestly I, w- I wish there would be like I wish, like, nowadays there would be some of those ambitious projects more and more often. Uh, I, I, mean, I mean, we do get them. It's just they're very different from uh, this particular kind of thing. I feel yeah. like the, the studio yeah. that would, would pioneer uh, a project like this nowadays would be, like, your Triggers or your uh, Pineapple Jams. Like, some very fringe studios mm-hmm. that already do, like, struggle with commercial success, but the people who like mm-hmm. what they do really like what they do. Uh, I, I, I do appreciate what you're saying here, Noah, but Trigger is probably not the uh, example to bring up. But I say, Trigger is not a good example for this. Trigger is not the good example. No. Trigger is a struggle with commercial success. 
I mean, when you, when, I mean, when you look at Trigger, you have, um, wow, I'm about to forget their fucking catalog. You have, like, Kill a Kill, um, Jet, help me. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, yeah. I was thinking it would be, like, the only one of their, like, anime originals I could think of that, like, maybe had performed, like, maybe Brand New Animal and maybe, no, I can't even say Penny and Sake, because I mean, I'm getting a second season well, I'm sorry, apparently you're talking, you can't even say that anymore, because it's... <laughs> well, I, sequel I, I, is happening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I say that in the sense that they're big retro fans. Uh, uh, Trigger is full of fanboys of, like, retro mecha anime, so they tend to make stuff that not only pulls on the style of older stuff, but also the themes, like... Uh, like Little Witch Academia was like very heavily inspired by rubber hose animation from the 60s or their robot stuff is super inspired by super robot stuff from the 70s. Um, I, whatever studio you think could make something like this. It's, I'm on it's right. It's true. We don't really have a studio that makes stuff like this anymore. That is not only is it about retro computer and internet uh, lingo, but it's also told in a very avant-garde, surreal, what the hell is going on kind of way. This is not a linear plot kind of show. It is like a book with different chapters about different topics that are all connected by the theme of the internet is going to change society. It is going to interconnect the people. But in fact, people were always interconnected. And so now the internet is just bringing us back to the way things used to be. Is it bad that when you were saying the internet is for, my brain instantly went to Avenue Q? <laughs> Yes, it Nine is. Theater fans. Yes, it's very bad. I'm How dare sorry. you, theater person? How dare you think of the yeah. internet is for that thing that it absolutely uh, is for? Anyway, uh, we've been here for quite a few minutes. We probably can't. Yeah, I, I know. I, we well, need. Well, I am enjoying this conversation. We should. We should get back to why we're originally. We here. should. You're right. We're gonna take it away. We're gonna Alman. be doing this. We're gonna be doing this several times tonight. I can already sense it. Oh no. Oh, you, you bet. All right, so. Uh, since we are, of course, discussing the dub, uh, let us first talk about the people who made the dub, our director and scriptwriters. Uh, our director on this project is uh, Leah Sargent, uh, known for directing things like Big O Season 2, the dub for Perfect Blue, and uh, the original version of Trigun. Mm, okay. And uh, scriptwriting, uh, the first episode was uh, written by Quint Lancaster, and the rest of the season was written by Gavin Glennon. Uh uh, Quint, uh, you might know for writing stuff like Armitage 3, uh, the Ghost in the Shell movie, and Giant Robo, and Glennon wrote stuff like Outlaw Star and Gundam Side Story 0079 Rise from the Ashes video game, because uh, he'd actually write a lot. He's mostly an actor, and apparently these days he's a location scout. Oh, okay. Uh, also, this is old enough. There will be some pseudonyms in here. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I have notes on I have notes on who, who they are, but uh see if you can guess. Yeah, uh, I was about to say one of the ones we just mentioned, like it's not even a real pseudonym, it was an AB went by just didn't thought it was fun. Like I know yep. this because I researched the pseudonym we're talking about today. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And, and the the reason for the pseudonyms is because of union shenanigans, right? Uh, yes, that this, was, I, uh, I, actually this does sort of predate union shenanigans. Some of these were just like they had What, them. just goofs? Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. That's interesting. That's uh, curious. Yeah, 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 like most of these actors were not union yet, so. Uh, yeah. So there's not going to be any like Henry Smallballs or anything like that in here. <laughs> well, there, well, there. What? Well, one of them's kind of funny, which we'll get to in the next. Section, one of them is no, a good none one. of them are. One of them's kind of funny, but most of them are just like names. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, nothing too jokey. So, uh, uh, can, can I just break the ice by saying, um, I respect 
that Leah, Quint, and Gavin gave it their best shot, I don't mm-hmm. think they quite knew what they were doing. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is uh, interesting to talk about this because uh, uh, we didn't mention the senior by day, but uh, this was done by uh, Zero Limits slash Animes, and if you don't know who they are, uh, they're uh, one of the earliest anime. They're one of the earliest anime dumbasses in the business, like right there during the whole like start of the home media boom. I did. In fact, there's a little video we did about them a little while back. You might want oh, to watch if you have time. Studio it's story. true. You should go watch it. <laughs> you should. The guy who put it together put a lot of work into it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Jet did a thing. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but, yeah, they were around for quite a while, and they made some of what would go on to be considered some of the best sons of all time, but this is, uh, a little bit before that, I actually didn't look up exactly what this son was made, because I wanted to know if this predated Bebop or not, and it turns out it did, this stuff mm-hmm. came out around 1999, and... I don't know exactly when the Bebop dub would have necessarily been recorded, but I do know the air date was, like, early two, early 2001, so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this is a little bit before Bebop, at least. Mm. A little bit before they, like, quite hit their stride, but, uh, yeah. Now, even if they had hit their stride, though, I'm going to argue that because Lane's uh, dialogue-focused uh, discussions about the co- the evolution of humanity, the interconnectivity of the internet, the uh, you know just society in general. That uh, there's not there wasn't really a prior dubbed project for them to compare this to. So they were kind of flying blind in terms of how to direct the actors, how to, uh, the tone to uh, strike with the performances, and how to write the dialogue. Like the dialogue from what I've seen from the uh, closed captioning is very literal because there's not a whole lot of room for liberal interpretation in the script. Yeah. Yeah, I I would take a slightly different approach in that I do think this is a good dub for what Lane is. It's just Lane is not a very actor-friendly show. Yeah. This is not something something that's relying a lot on, like, uh, you know, high quality... Well, there's there's one performance that would actually really sing a lot as memorable, but, like, this is is not... It's very talky, (laughs) it's very thinky... Uh, this has way more in common with some pretentious art film that Criterion would license in this country than a lot of anime. Uh, is it, uh, and in... Uh, is it pretentious? I'm saying people would call it pretentious, not that it is pretentious. Yeah, I, I can see, like, people calling it pretentious. Um, to... Like, I... I, I... I, I think it's very good at what it does. I would I would not call it pretentious. There are definitely people who have called the show pretentious because they were bored. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 I would call it show pretentious. I think it does more or less stale what it's what it's aiming for. So mm-hmm. so as a fun side note to kind of answer to kind of give a little bit more insight on the whole recording timeline for this, um, I did look up Be- Bebop for shits and giggles. Um, so mm-hmm. the first DVD set for Lane came out, according to ANN, uh, July 13th of 1999. Uh, the oldest record for Bebop that ANN has listed is actually a VHS copy, uh, VHS number two, which was released in November 23rd of 1999. So you could realistically say that both of these could have been recorded simultaneously together. If I remember correctly, none of the uh, regulars for Bebop show up in this cast at all. 
Um, so this is a good chance that yeah, there could have been some simultaneous. Uh, uh, no, 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 you're wrong. There's one. There's at least one in here. Uh, a second, but we're not talking what, about him. One who is very important to uh, the Bebop dub, in fact. Yes. <laughs> and there's a second one in here that we're not talking about him today, but he's also in here. So basically, there, 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 it's none of the leads, but there are some major characters who have a little bit of overlap. Mm-hmm. All right, so so do you guys? Do, do you think? I know, Amai, you said you think this is well done enough for what Lane actually is. Does that make it a good mm-hmm. dub? Well, that's an interesting question. Yes. <laughs> I want your honest answer, man. Yes, yeah, uh, I, 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 well, that's. I'm a big believer in the idea that, like, there, obviously, there. I put it this way, um, there's a good dub in the sense of like, is it a, is it the appropriate dub for the show? Okay. Which I think this does succeed on. But there's also, like, Wizard Barrister is garbage, but the dub's really entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like, independent of the quality of the show. And I would say that is also <laughs> a good dub, even though it is mostly that it is punching up something that is not very interesting by itself. Uh, uh, I, and I, I, think, I remember vaguely liking Wizard Barristers. I, I'm, I'm sorry, that was just the first one I pulled out of, like, something we <laughs> covered in the very early days that I never watched that seemed like it was mostly worth watching for the dub. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's a better example? The show means sample is garbage, but the dub's very entertaining. <laughs> the dub's very entertaining. The show itself. Ah, uh, yes, there it is. Oh, oh no, when I was talking with embarrassers, I was mostly talking about the show, though I do remember there was like at least a ten, a ten minute sequence that was just like unfinished animation for some reason, which was really weird. Oh my god! Here we go. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I would argue both of those are examples of good dubs, but one of them is much more reliant on being an appropriate dub for the show overall and the other one is more is the dub entertaining to listen to by itself yeah mm-hmm. in that regard this in that regard like i mean it's a, it's a slow methodical philosophical show the the the, the, the it, like that dub is probably not going to be very interesting like in terms of like performance per yeah so, yeah my, yeah my feelings here are like yeah from a technical standpoint this dub is rough and what i would say product of its size and again i mean i mentioned before i mean it does uh, go on to have a pretty strong Track record and this mm-hmm. isn't that far off for Bebop, so I feel like it maybe could have been stronger. But at the same time, I have a hard time imagining what a stronger version of this would sound like, so, like, mm. I don't know. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, if you've heard, like, um, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex, you have at least some experience. Uh, with... uh, uh, okay, we're. It's funny you say that because this is also the same series that would go on to do that, but it's. Uh, we're still it definitely is. a few years off of that one. It is, and half the cast in this is young characters, whereas Standalone Complex is mostly adult characters. Um, mm-hmm. th- there's a couple of adult characters who monologue in this, but it's also carried by Lane's performance, the kid characters, the Alice character, the ones who we're going to talk about in a bit here. Um, so uh, I'll say that they cast characters in English to sound pitch-wise very close to their Japanese uh, counterpart, and I feel like they kind of... They were trying to mimic the sound of the Japanese in English, and that's why it might sound a little more awkward, because nowadays we don't really do that. We might try to match the pitch of the Japanese, but we know that English has its own syntax, its own rhythm, its own way of sounding natural. So when you have flat line reads that have awkward pauses in it, William Shatner, we know that that's (laughs) not how you're supposed to do it. Yeah, Yeah. it... uh... It, uh, it reminds me a little of a, uh, a comment Jacob uh, Chapman once made about uh, the dub for Fooly Cooly, which, in his estimation, like, the All dub right. and the Japanese for Fooly Cooly are functionally identical. Yeah. Like, they, they have the same rhythm and feel to it. I feel like you could probably make... I didn't... I haven't ever seen this in Japanese. I don't... know. 
I've probably seen it once in Japanese, but I don't remember it very well. Mm -hmm. I feel like you could probably make a similar argument about this, though. Yeah. Um, just because I don't think... I mean, I don't think it's a show that lends itself very well to a lot of creative localization just because of what it is and what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know what their uh, inspiration was. Like, if they had direction mm. from the Japanese, it's like, make it sound like this. Or if they had, like, some nerd on staff who was like, uh, Necromancer is the coolest thing ever. You gotta make it sound like this. Like, I don't know. Uh, uh, I, mm -hmm. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I try to think how involved Pioneer would be on the Japanese side. Because I know they did eventually try to do Kitty on, but uh, mm. I don't know exactly when that happened. Yeah. I think I mean I think part of it's also just how the show is written. Like to use to use standalone complex as an example, there's a lot of very strongly uh, defined characters in standalone complex to grapple on to. I'd argue a lot of the characters in Lane are, if not flat, they are intentionally just kind of loosely sketched on purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, and I feel like that makes your job a lot harder as an actor. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I would say in general there are like two, maybe three characters who matter enough as far as like actual performance goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, there, yeah. There, there, there are people here who are often kind of like, you know, ciphers or uh, avatars, like, like that's the, that, that's intentional. You know, that's not a flaw, that's a, that's a feature, not a bug, mm -hmm. as they say in, in internet, in computer talk. <laughs> yeah. um, but that does not necessarily lend for interesting dub work, which is what we cover. Yeah. And again, for the time period, not really having a, a, a template mm -hmm. to compare it to, I got, I do have to give them credit for getting through the whole thing like I, i'm in my hand holding all four volumes of the genion release and just thinking it would have been so easy for them to get like halfway through this and being like we have no idea what the hell we're doing we're just gonna stop right now <laughs> that well, was well, me well, well, well that was an interesting failed experiment time to spend our money on something else absolutely Ooh. that was me get... while attempting to watch this god damn <laughs> well we're glad so, we got so... to finish this yeah, can I just say Y'all Y'all been talking for a minute. Um Yeah yeah. So I'll admit that this is the first time I have ever fully been able to complete this show. Noah got mad at me when I said in our group chat when we put this together, wait, you've never finished the show before? Fuck no, I have not. Um and I remember exactly why. <laughs> Uh, this show, you, I highly advise against marathoning it straight through. Absolutely not. Highly, highly advise against it. Because I'm pretty sure what happened to me the first time is I got maybe halfway through the show while trying to marathon it, big mistake on my part, and then stopped, did like a bunch of other things, got busy, completely forgot what the fuck I just watched, and just never went back to it. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> if if there's a show best experience like a week at a time. Yeah, I ended up doing this. Oh my god! And even Andrew will fucking tell you, I ended up doing at least three episodes in a in a sitting, um, like starting like last the week a week or two before, just to try and get like ease myself into it. Like by halfway through the show, I'm like fuck, babe, I gotta watch Lane, don't I? He's like, yeah, you do. I'm like, I don't want to right now. Cause, it's like you're, cause, it's your fucking penance or something. I know. So I, this is not a knock against the show because I really think there are some good, like really interesting elements to it. But the fact it is sl such a slow burn. Yeah. Such a slow yeah. burn that it, and if you're not like, if you're not like really invested or into this kind of like 
look look for into like the different themes of technology, the philosophies of it, even the, some of the psychological elements. You're gonna you're gonna like turn this off almost maybe after like two episodes, maybe three at max, like, yeah. and then unfortunately for the modern day anime viewer, um, <laughs> you're not gonna like this dub. It is. No, I'm just. I'm just trying to imagine some some poor TikTok addicted teen trying to watch this thing. That must be like like it may as well be. It may as well be in gibberish. Right? The, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. This is uh, definitely a very. Yeah. This is definitely a show you can't. No. Both of both because it's very obtuse and also just because like, also because like it's a. There's definitely much more uncomfortable things in anime you can watch, but like. Mm-hmm. There's definitely, there's definitely some time where it's like, yeah, you, you, you gotta take that afterwards. Yeah, this this show, probably for modern day anime fans, is not e- as easily digestible. Um, I think in a certain, if you're looking for a certain category of viewer that might actually be into it, is more of like the art house crowd, if that makes oh, yeah. sense. Um, given yeah. given what the show is, um, I feel like that specific crowd will eat this up all day long. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, it's such a slow burn. It's very difficult to get through, especially on your first watch. Um, the story itself can sometimes be very fucking confusing. Mm-hmm. So you're going to lose some pieces on the first watch, like I did. And then the dub has not aged well at all. It has <laughs> not. And I think a lot of it comes down to, because I've never watched the Japanese before, but I can imagine, mm-hmm. given the circumstance of when this was... Uh, around the time for recording to which I dug up two more shows for shits and giggles that would have been around recorded around this time. I dug up Trigun which was mm-hmm. released uh, like in the early 2000s like two, the first set came out like in 2000 and then I also looked and I yeah same director yeah you're right uh, and then I also dug up another show that kind of has maybe as close to a feel to Lane as humanly possible that also has a dub and came out in Japan at the same time, Boogie Pop Phantom. Boogie Pop Phantom, the first VHS copy of this, of, of the English dub, came out in 2001. So while it came out a few years after Lane did, it's the closest thing. And I think Boogie, the original Boogie Pop Phantom kind of suffers some of the same problems that mm-hmm. Lane's dub does. Um, but Lane's dub, I think it, it it's kind of a product of his time. The writing, the writing is as close to a one-to-one translation as humanly possible. I think only minor things were adjusted, probably for the sake of like lip flaps mm-hmm. and um, and context and um, localization, which is fair. I can give it that much. It stayed as true to what I think it's, it easily stays as true to the original source material as possible, which in this case, you need to have that. <laughs> 100% you need to have that because the second it goes off the rails and it div- divulges from the original, it's going to be even more confusing. <laughs> Let's be real. Um, well, hard I part think of, a lot of... Like Lane's difficulty at understanding it is that there's obviously philosophical... Mm-hmm. questions that it's trying to address right. and it's trying to tell a story at the same time. So the hard part for the viewer is what part of this is the creator's uh, kind of sermoning about the future of humanity and the psyche and uh, yeah. kids being manipulated. And then what part of it is the story part of it? 
Yeah, there's a lot of pieces and, like, points in the story. And personally for me, with the with this, again, being the first time I fully watched this, sometimes some of those elements, it seems like it's too clustered together. Like, there's so, like sometimes it seems like there's too much, weirdly enough, um, that it kind of loses itself, like, the main story actually loses itself a touch because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there were points during my watch where I was thinking, like, I can't tell if this is trying to have an actual storyline or if it's just an episodic kind of show because some of the individual episodes at least from like the early onset and maybe until at least halfway or three quarters of the way through seem to have individual like focused stories mm-hmm. you know what i mean so it no. it struggles a little bit i think in what it wants to do and the main story kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit um and then mm. yes <laughs> Is it, yeah, no, I, yeah. There are that. There is. There are definitely a couple of like major story beats, but uh, they aren't. They aren't like really deep explained in that much detail. Right. Yeah. This. I mean, it, I think you're comparing this to the art house. For something for the art house crowd is very accurate. Yeah. I definitely watched like, like the one that always springs to mind because I watched it in college is like an old French movie called Last Year at Mirambad, which like it's three hours long. None of the main characters have actual names because that's not really important to the kind of, like, movie it is. Mm-hmm. And on some level, it's a lot more about just kind of soaking in the ambiance and the thematics yeah. than... Like, there, there is a story, there is a structure to it, but that is not what's important. And I don't think this is quite that far in that direction, but I think it is... That's part of it. And also, it's not a show that's very interested in holding your hand as a viewer, necessarily. Right. Um, on the one hand, it trusts you to be smart enough to figure it out, but it also means that until you're there, you're kind of on your own. Right. Absolutely. It takes, like, it took me, it took me quite a bit to get an understanding of some of the pieces of what it's doing, but mm-hmm. I at least was able to, like, discern, again, those themes of, like, technology and its effects. I, I was able to discern some of the philosophical, like, existential issues, mm-hmm. um, and the sense of self that Lane goes through throughout the course of the show, especially towards the latter half. Um, there are pieces that I was able to put together. It's just also some of those same pieces sometimes occasionally get lost with some of the other story elements in there, which is kind mm-hmm. of a shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think I would have to agree with, with, with how the dub was directed and how it, the performances sound. Again, I've not watched the Japanese, but considering the time, about the same, like it, it, it about the same, that, that was going to be my assumption considering like where we are in the ter- in terms of like the timeline when it comes to like anime dubbing history you know what i mean mm-hmm. where it's not it's not taken completely seriously i guess as like you can turn this into a very good product and actors will be able to like shine and make these roles their own it's more of an imitation of what the Japanese is for a good portion of the time. And again, with Bebop being around the same time as Lane was likely produced, um, being the trendsetter at the time to kind of help change that a bit. Um, like, it's a good show. I'm just sad that the dub doesn't hold up. <laughs> Paddle harder. Paddle harder. Ah! <laughs> it, yeah, it's, there's a whole lot that we're going to get into it with the characters, but... Uh, yeah, there's definitely, I think, what all of our discussions boil down to is there's a disconnect between mm-hmm. what the show was trying to do, what it was trying to say, 
and how much of that actually gets communicated to the viewers in the span of 22 minute episodes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And for like 13 episodes, period. Uh, yeah, uh, we've been talking for a while. We probably should get into characters. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I feel like this is where the this and final thoughts are going to be the meat of the episode, anyway. Oh, probably, so, yeah. probably. Yeah. Like being uh, able to discuss more of the show itself kind of helps. Mm -hmm. Kind of helps lean more into like the discussion of the dub itself. To be honest, indeed. I, I do have one uh, question for Jet before we move on. Is that you talked about how there was one writer for the first episode and then a different one for episodes two through thirteen first writer um a lot of experience in sci-fi stuff like artichage and ghost in the shell and then the second writer more uh tv series based writer who is actually doing location work nowadays uh did anywhere of your research did it say that uh that was intentional to have uh one writer for the first episode and a different one for the rest or did the first writer just kind of couldn't crack it in the first one and decided i can't do this and pass it off to somebody else for the rest of the show. As as I mean, uh, as I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're talking about the. As, as I I mean, that first writer was a uh, pretty important as far as the theater dynamics go. So. Uh, I I, uh, I, 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 I okay, I'm trying really hard not to just like. Oh, you can, you can you can say his name. That's as, fine. As, I'm as, doing as, this as, as a okay, okay, okay. All right. Let, let, all right. It's I'm, it's I'm, it's I'm, Kevin Seymour, folks. Yeah, it's Kevin Seymour. He's like literally the head of animes or head of animes. Can we get like uh, a? Yeah. Can we get like a um an Ace Attorney sound effect in here? Kevin Seymour. Whoop. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, I mean, but uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, but I don't know. I, I I guess it's just I don't know. I guess he maybe wanted to try experimenting with writing with a bit, and then I guess that's decided to I don't know hand it off to someone else because he was working on something else. I don't know. Right, so that's yeah, just I, speculation. I, I, that's awesome. yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I imagine he's probably working on quite a few things besides this at the time, so... Okay. Yeah, I, I, find, I find it plausible that possibly he wrote the first episode kind of as a sort of like, here, here is how we want the show to work. Yeah, And then because he that. does because he's doing a lot of other stuff on the side, he then moves it on to a nether writer who's going to pick up that baton and kind of go in that mode. Okay. I can see that, um, yeah. Especially given, as we know, like, I don't think this is a show that's very, like, localization friendly to begin with i could no. easily see this kind of thing of like okay this is this is going to be a pretty rigid adaptation just because of what the material requires like we can hand this off to someone else okay it doesn't need the kind of deft touch that like i can't think of something kevin happened to write off the top of my head but like something where like you know oh we want to take a little more time and care because there's more there's more stuff to balance basically yeah i mean kevin yeah. seymour primarily has been known as an adr director he hasn't done a ton of writing i'm, I'm just looking over everything yeah, yeah, yeah. um but it would, it would, he, you probably are right where it was one of those things where it's like, here, this is how we want this show to go writing wise, mm -hmm. have at it. That's, and that probably yeah. sounds like the most logical, most logical reason for it, to be honest. Maybe we should see if Gavin Glennon has a public facing email address. <laughs> we'll check out the oh, and oh it'll, it'll come back and it's like, I'll be honest with you, dude. I do not remember. That was two decades ago. I had admit, yeah. I, I had the same thought. I was thinking about like, do we do we reach out to like? Because I know Leah has like a public Facebook group, and I, was like, uh, we I reach mean, out and ask questions. But oh, sorry, what? And I, and I, and I, and I was just to say, there's probably one other person who might, um, who you might be able to reach out to, but. Uh... Yeah, we're just speculating at this point, but um, about yeah, a yeah. Uh, almost thirty-year-old tub. Twenty-five, yep. to be exact. 
Exactly yes. 25. Which, which, by the way, I don't think you mentioned this in the intro, Amon. Why are we doing this particular oh, yeah, it's, show? It's, we, uh, we're doing this episode because it's Lane's 25th anniversary and I wanted to talk about it. Yay! <laughs> You're saying that if we didn't do it this year, we wouldn't get around to it until five years in the future. Because we're not allowed to do 26 well, about well, well, about that, but we'll get to that when we talk about <laughs> where we can watch this show. Oh, <laughs> boy! All right. Uh, all right. On that, on that note, do we want to talk about our first set of characters? Please. Yes, please. Uh, all right. Our first set of characters, uh, there's like a dozen, there's like two dozen minor characters in this show who all have varying levels of importance. Mm -hmm. uh, I've picked three of some note because I thought they'd be interesting to talk about as kind of a general representative. Uh, first off, we have Taro. Uh, Taro is a kid who hangs out at a dance club in Tokyo called Siberia. That's Siberia, like cyber area. It's, it's great. Um, uh, he's into computers. He hangs out with a pair of other kids. Uh, he, he gets to kind of know Lane, uh, who eventually finds out that he's part of this, like, hacker group that's loosely kind of based on sort of a real fake hacker group. Uh, and it, 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 he kind of helps out with her. They, they get up to some stuff. Um, it's all very obtuse. <laughs> uh, and, and next up, we have uh, a guy named Masami Irie. Oh, boy. Uh, his, his backstory is that he used to work for a company that made this chip you can put on uh, computers that allows you to link, basically link up with the internet, which is called the wired in this world, uh, basically without having to use like an interface, just your brain is jacked directly into it, basically. It's, this is, this, it's before fucking Sword Art Online becomes a thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This, this is the OG <laughs> version from like, actu like actual cyberpunk fiction type stuff. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, well, basically, long story short, he's clearly up to something, he gets fired, he apparently dies, but it turns out he uploaded his brain into the Wired, and now he's just kind of hanging around as a guy proclaiming himself God. I um, am God! Nah, no, you're not, he, buddy. He, he has philosophical discussions with Lane, and also some conflict, because she thinks he's kind of full of it. He, <laughs> he really know. is, though! <laughs> Which, I mean, yeah. you know, she's correct, he just doesn't like that. <laughs> You don't need a body, uh, bitch. Do you really think that? <laughs> <laughs> you want to try again, friend? I lo I love I love that they predicted the extremely s tedious singularity discourse that was all the rage when I was in college. Like the show really <laughs> figured out everything about the internet. Because, okay, 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 I read. Okay, I read. To be fair, uh, this was what 1990. 1998. Yeah, the show was okay. Okay, 1998. So Abel was like a year old. So like they had its version. Yeah, they, then they. <laughs> No, 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 the, the singularity in this context is the idea that once you hook enough computers up together, they'll all become sentient. Oh, okay. That's the singularity. Oh, oh that's different. Oh, singularity uh, and this there, to, and, this, and this leads into this whole thing about people wanting to upload their brains into computers so they can live forever, and it's all, it all just comes across as a lot of middle-aged people who don't want to die. It's a little sad. Oh, sure, absolutely. Um, Those same people would, in, uh, in the modern era, they would be trying to harvest young people blood to live longer. Absolutely, like, same genotype. <laughs> Um, and lastly, we have a, we have a character who's, who, who shows up constantly, um, even though the, they, they don't really have a character at all. It's Lane's Navi, who talks to her constantly, and for a good chunk of the show, seems like the only real friend she has. Mm -hmm. Hello, <laughs> Lane. fucking laptop talking to her. So, so basically, Hello, it's, Lane. it's Siri before Siri existed. Pretty, Pretty much. much. Yep. God dang it, Pretty my much. phone just or... listened to that. Hold on a second. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I might want to turn it off. You know what I mean? Thankfully, uh, thankfully, my Alexa tablet is currently in the other room, so it's not going to hear. Hey, Lilac, uh, Alexa, uh, yeah. could you please order a pizza? That's one pizza sent to Stephanie's house. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, uh, 
Did, did we did we mention that this show is painfully timely still? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah, I remember my parents do keep trying to fool around with me left every now and then. I do make oh game happen. Aw, that's cute. That's adorable. <laughs> anyway, so here here are here are our minor characters. So we can talk about the minor characters. Who's playing them? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, Taro is being played by Ian Hawk. Uh, who's known for such characters as uh, Rush Ren Ren in Bastard, the old one from the 90s, not the one that's on Netflix Yeah, the now. original. Oh, okay. The original six-episode OVA. Yes. Um, uh, Koenma from not not the Funimation Yu Yu Hakusho, but the movie that I think what, Media Blasters dubbed it? Was that it? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, ah. yeah. I, yeah. I, saw, I saw that one a few times. That one. Uh, the one that I think I think Funimation still does not have because... You know, it, yeah, of course not. Um, and uh, and probably the, probably the thing I know them best for, uh, Jim Hawking in Outlaw Star. Thank oh, you. Okay. That was that's the voice Which, I heard the entire time I was listening to. This. No, I mean, like, oh, me too. It's just like yeah, it's like yeah, that's 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 that's. Yeah, meanwhile, me, me, yeah, meanwhile, I know them more from like uh, 2000 stuff. What? This is a big 2000 thing for everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm about Hello. to make y'all angry. I haven't watched Outlaw Star yet. Oh, you should you should fix I that. I need it's a to fun fix time. that. I do. I'm I've been meaning yet. to like buy it since it was like re- licensed, rescued, and then re-released. Hmm. So I honestly, just haven't that, gotten to buying it. <laughs> honestly, that's another show that honestly it might not sit well with modern viewers. Like you, you have to be in a certain set, hmm. mindset to watch retro anime, like cell animation from the '90s to really get into I it. I f- I feel like modern anime fans might get into Outlaw Store Star a little bit more than Lane though. <laughs> nonsense getting getting modern anime fans in outlaw star is easy you just tell them that it stars a big man whore and they'll all come flooding to go watch <laughs> he stars a himbo and they're good it stars do, do you want a slutty dandy. man with no sleeves well we have a show for you here you go here's mr himbo but but and they'll say but but wait does he tell people to bite him in every episode and we're like oh boy yes, i got a yes, show for does. you <laughs> uh, uh fun Fun fact about Ian Hawk that I learned during this research. Uh, this is a pseudonym for an actress named Brianne Sadal, who uh, almost exclusively voices little boy characters, uh, which uh, I did uh, not know about. Uh, oh, 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 okay. I was wondering if you were going to bring that up, because I am very familiar with Brianne Sadal. I mean, you've uh, heard of a lot of uh, characters in the 2000s. Uh, specifically, uh, if you gr- specifically, if you grew up with the Digimon franchise. Thank uh, you. Like, yep. Mm. Uh, so, uh, Kalibon, like Kalibon and uh, Tabers and uh, Tommy in Frontier. And uh, full disclosure, oh, yeah. this will uh, full disclosure, this will not be the last time we talk about Digimon. I'm going to bring it up again for a very important reason. Wait, wait, wait. Hold, hold on a second, Jack. You're telling me that we're going to talk about a show about people in a digital world on the Lane episode. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I really <gasps> scandalous. Out, but, uh, probably not for the reason you are expecting it. So. How scandalous! Okay. Sorry, you were saying Amon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, playing uh, Masami, we have Sparky Thornton. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> There's Sparky a pseudonym. is not his real first name. I'm sure you can probably conclude who it actually is under that. that Gee, that I wonder. Pseudonym. So, so many Sparkies I, I re- in the voice acting I, world. I, I really want to know how how this one came about, but anyways, uh, they are <laughs> we'll, have to ask, we'll, we'll have to ask him one of these days. <laughs> uh, he is known for playing uh, Blackjack and Blackjack in the movie. Uh, he is Ken Sanada in Dual Parallel Trouble Adventure, another show I infrequently watched on the late night tech TV anime slot back in the day. Noise. Uh, and he plays Count Cagliostro in the manga video dub of <laughs> Lupin the Third, The Castle of Cagliostro. Can I just say something before you go to the next one? <laughs> 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> Sparky Thornton has another fucking pseudonym. You want to know what it is? Oh, I, I, is it Rusty? No. Is it, what is it? What is it? Remind me. Bubba Chow? <laughs> That's not the one I, the one I thought you were going to say. No, I'm just <laughs> looking through Bubba Chow. The only times he used it though is for LaGrange, the Flower, Rene, and um, Magnetic Rose. When the, hmm. That's it. Stephanie, I really thought you were going to reference his uh, Oscar winning performance as Spanky Roberts. <laughs> oh, I hadn't gotten that far. There's also Sparky. There's also Sparky Allen, Sparky Roberts. He has a few. I got the Bubba Chow, and I just lost my garbage. <laughs> there's a, there's a, yeah, yeah, meanwhile, I think Ron Allen is the one I probably like know off the top of my head. Yeah, Ron Allen's another one. You sure these names weren't for for union reasons? You sure about that? As, as, okay, okay, okay. I'm sure the later ones were, but this one was probably not. I, I yeah. do I do know an, an actor we're not talking about here is using his non-union alias in this, so I do think that might be... I, I think for some of them we are seeing at the origin of their non-union name, like, they're hoping to be union at some point, so I'm going to record uh, under a pseudonym. Okay. Kind of probably, a deal. Probably, yeah. That would make uh, sense. union, you're right. Okay. Yes. So I, I think that's probably where we're seeing in at least some of these instances of, like, I don't want to fuck myself over preemptively, so I will record <laughs> under a fake name. You were in pseudo <laughs> um, experiments, Lane. Denied. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, and uh, and last, uh, Lane's Navi is being played by Melissa Williamson, uh, who's known for playing Erd in Ah oh My Goddess the movie, uh, Julia in Cowboy Bebop, and Jura Beza Elden in Vandred. Um, all right, feel free to talk about these characters or any other just random no-name characters who showed up in the show that you found interesting. Yes. Uh, Sparky uh, Thornton. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Goes without say. Like uh, all three of these actors are still very active in the industry to this very day, and uh, mm -hmm. yep, you can definitely yeah. turn that into you can definitely turn into performances. These are probably the best of the side characters. They mm. definitely have more flavor yeah. in their voice. Oh, a hundred percent. I think especially. <laughs> I get to call him by his. I'm calling him by his fucking pseudonym. This is fucking great, Sparky. <laughs> <laughs> Sparky Thornton. It's it's. His performance as, uh, uh, fuck, Masami Eddie, um, it's very interesting, like, because obviously Mr. Thornton has done, like, tons of, tons of stuff over the years, and very, very notable ones, too, notable roles, too, so going from the ones that I can hear off the top of my, like, here in my head, the, and going to, um, Masami Eddie as this, the self-proclaimed god of the Wired, like, there are, like, he, his performance was actually very intriguing, and it kind of went in some moments of where it was very haunting. Um, especially when he has his conversations with Lane in the last, like, third of the show. And he's talking about um, some of those philosophical things we've been discussing, like the idea of self. Like, w what is a god? Who is really a god? Um, do you actually really need a body to like exist like you don't need any of that to be loved by people you can be loved as a god things like that it's very intriguing and sometimes some of the tone of voice can be extremely haunting and i really enjoyed that yeah uh it's it's interesting like uh, as i said before the show is not and like it's either to accuse the show of being pretentious but it, it really isn't but no, Having said that, this character definitely is a character. I mean, and, uh, <laughs> 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 
He's an asshole. We'll call him one. He is an asshole. We're calling it like we see it. He's the kind of... Yeah, Starkey really... Starkey really... He really nails that. Yeah. I think we can all agree that, that if, if he was around in today's day and age, he would definitely be buying cryptocurrency and pushing NFTs on everybody. We're talking about the character, right? The ca- yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm about to say, I'm like, hang on, not Sparky this, Thornton. I've no. never this met Sparky, if, but I assume. If, if Masami Irai exists right now in the modern world, he is a fucking Elon Musk reply guy. Oh, like, 100%. 100%. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And that fucking, oh, yeah, and that other guy, the office guy who's part of the Knights. That guy too, I think, right? Mm-hmm. I oh, can see uh, it with that guy too. That fucking oh, if they, CEO. If they, made, if they made this today, that would probably just be an obvious Elon Musk knockoff. Like, oh, hundred percent. He's designed to look like him. Like, one hundred. Absolutely. And, and it's fitting for the show that that they uh, they have the wherewithal to uh, pitch the ideas about how they thought the internet would change society and people's mentality and interconnectivity and everything, but also to make the voice that they disagreed with the mouthpiece of a character that you're not supposed to agree with. Like, you look at this character, you look at Sparky's Masami, and you realize, okay, we are not supposed to side with a character who says, it's easy to die, you can just upload your brain to the internet. Right. And Sparky gives it a whole lot of menace and evilness mm-hmm. that is, yeah, good on the writers for not just throwing the ideas out there, but also taking a side on what is a right and wrong way to use this technology in the future. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent, and like being able to convey that in such a way, like again, I found it to be really haunting at points, especially during the conversations he has at Lane. Uh, It's very interesting and intriguing that whole conversation, the idea of self-existence, what is God, who is God, like all that fun stuff. I think that's that last third of the show and all of those philosophical pieces is kind of what drew me back into the show <laughs> at the at the fucking last minute <laughs> yeah in, in that way. of course we get a, a lovely uh akira reference uh in the in, mm. in, with his character mm-hmm. yeah and i gotta say that uh performance wise this was probably my favorite oh mm. yeah Wow. 100%. The, 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 this is this is tied with another one I'll talk about later, but I think, mm-hmm. oh, like especially overall, like this is probably this yeah, is also yeah, probably yeah. the character. Uh, yeah, yeah, this has felt like the direct casting choice. No, yeah, no, yeah. Oh, it, uh, I, I think it helps that like he, he he's probably the character who has the most to. Like him and the Men in Black feel like the characters who have the most to like relatively work with as far as acting goes, uh, and he has a lot more screen time than they do as far as actually saying things on screen. So you know. Now the he's, one he's, he's, he he really nails it. The one who does not really get a whole lot of acting though is Lane's Navi, which is short for navigator. They just take the word navigator yes. and shorten it to Navi. Yes. Um, but still, give credit to Melissa for um, like it's very easy to have a monotone computer voice that is sounding like this all the time, and she doesn't do that. She does a very um, like if she modulates, she goes up and down. But she gives like this otherworldly warble that mm-hmm. conveys the. I'm sure they're they're modulating her voice a little bit because it sounds like there's a little bit of post work on it to give it that digital sound to it. Oh, 100. percent mm-hmm. There's got to oh, yeah. be some filters put on that to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. When I heard Navi, I was just really, I was totally thinking back to Ocarina of Time, even though I've never played that game. <laughs> <laughs> I've never played a Zelda game, so I feel that. Uh... Who's Zelda? No. Uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. I, mean, I, mean, I literally all I know about that game is that like everyone finds like the bad characters is extremely annoying. Hey, she's, she's very chatty in a way hey, that listen. you like if you're if you're slightly hey, too old, listen. she's very annoying. Hey, listen. 
Well, hey, luckily this listen. one's not like that. Stop it! No, thank no. God. <laughs> hey, listen! <laughs> I'm gonna be I'll, doing that. The, the line that I think uh, came across as like the best uh, flavor of Melissa's performance is um, the character, mm -hmm. uh, the computer, like says hello to Lane when she boots it up. But then mm -hmm. uh, in like episode three, she starts walking away and says good night, and the computer says back good night, Lane. In a very like, oh, I didn't know the computer was that sentient yet. Oh, this is gonna get creepy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, as a side note, because I did not mention this, this is another actor under pseudonym. Uh, this is Mary Elizabeth McGuinn, and it's very funny to me that they hired the major to play <laughs> the this major. talking computer. Listen, I didn't fucking realize until I saw the discussion that we're doing. Because here's the thing: so Ann has like. Five different people playing different voices of the Wired, right? And then mm -hmm. another for, like, Lane's Navi, you know? And then you have a couple people listed as Lane's friend one and Lane's friend two, you know? Who, who I will note <laughs> have names, whoever right? did the training and just couldn't be fucking bothered to figure them out. Right! Yeah. But, um, in the, in the case of, in the case of Mary Elizabeth Gwynn, I didn't even know it was her, and I didn't dig too deep on other roles, because I was I didn't put two and two together of like, oh, this doesn't sound familiar to me at all. Um, excuse me, the fuck. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I do, yeah, I do recognize, I did recognize that because I have like T to E before and other stuff, but uh, mm. yeah, I've probably I, I, seen I didn't it too. It I just can't either. think of it. I didn't realize who it was either. Okay, so I'm on yeah. Stephanie's side in that I didn't recognize her either, but that's because uh, she has a wide range of voices she does, so that even though yeah, I recognize her when she does her major voice, like, uh, she played this, like, buff woman teacher character in the recent Carmen Sandiego cartoon, and I did not recognize her at all in that. So when I realized that it was her in this, I was like, okay, that is another voice that I did not know that Mary Elizabeth could do. Props to her. No, yeah, like, I primarily know Mary Elizabeth McGuinn as like the strong female characters mm -hmm. so like the major like julia in bebop like mm -hmm. that's what i primarily know her for right not some maybe sentient pc from the fucking 90s so you can understand my confusion oh no 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 there, there is a scene where she is using what you think it's apple yeah, yeah, because there's a scene where um, one of the characters, um, Alice, is using, like, one of those see-through computer boxes. Like, you remember those uh, old computers where, like, you could see listen, through it and see in the interior listen, computer? Listen, mm -hmm. listen. Alice has an apple. Lane has a PC. She customized that shit to hell and back. You can't <laughs> customize it very well. You got an apple very well, dude. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, 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 that is true. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, anyway, uh, continuing on, I did think uh, I did think uh, Ian did a pretty good job uh, playing a really good uh, kind of preteen egg lord kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Oh He's yeah, Snotlow's kid, fucking punk. <laughs> little, yeah, little punk ass kid. Little punk ass kid. <laughs> fucking Dante, punk ass kid. Fucking totally Dante from I the Somni Files, punk ass kid. Yep. Yep. I was to totally expecting him to to pull out a line from Outlaw Star, which is, huh, is that why you have her hand your hand on her ass? <laughs> what? Oh, you don't watch yeah. the show. Yeah, but yeah, this is just very much the kind of kid who like thinks they know everything, even though like 
Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He yeah. tries to plant a kiss on her. He did plant a kiss on her. What are you talking about? You're right. Because apparently he's a guy and you should expect that kind of thing. Which, uh, and also because politics... it, and also because he was apparently on a date <laughs> with Lane. Even <laughs> though all she did was use that as a guise to get him to come over and look at shit on the computer. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I- I'm assuming this character is like eight, maybe ten years old. Oh, I think he's a little older than that. I would say oldest. Like he, he... the mm-hmm. youngest, oldest, or no, the oldest, maybe preteen, maybe. But but I, 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 I assumed he was like late middle school, just because he is hanging out at a dance club, like with uh, a I, similar I, I mean, age. I'm okay. assuming he's not that young. I, I mean, it is noted that Lane is in middle school, so. Yeah, that's the other I, I'm thing. I'm sorry, I'm, think, I'm thinking like late middle school in American terms, not like... Uh, <laughs> not in Japan. I, I, I don't remember how it matches up to where like Japanese school I structure. think Japan is like, what, three years in high school, two for middle school? No, no, no I, think it, I think it's like three or four for middle school and then like two for high school, I think. Well, there is a younger no, age no, no, it's clearance. Uh, for oh. getting into yeah, I, I, clubs and stuff. I do remember looking. I do remember looking this up, and I think Lane's supposed to be like a first year in high school or something like that. Okay. Like she is, she is in high school, I think, but like just, just like very beginning. Yeah, that was hard to place, especially because like what kind of uh, high school freshman wears teddy bear pajamas? Uh, perhaps, perhaps one who has a lot of uh, uh, personality concerns she's trying to work out. I, I, I don't know, <laughs> Noah. I don't know what you're talking about. Puts away cat onesie in my drawer. Puts away Gengar onesie in my drawer. <laughs> well, you've gone past the high school stage. Like, like, you've gone out of that, and you're allowed to wear onesies now. You know, you're old. You're grandma age. You're allowed to wear whatever you want now. I'm grandma age. How fucking dare you? In terms of internet ages, like, all of us here are in our early 30s, and we're all ready for the nursing home. Yeah, uh, that's, that's I still right feel insulted. Fuck just, you, just, dude. Just accept it. Don't even no. try to download TikTok. Just accept the world has moved past you. You are not with it anymore. It'll happen to you. No, it's too late. I've had TikTok for at least a year. <laughs> <sighs> I make TikTok videos of my cat. It's a, it's fun. <laughs> My That's cat is point. also currently sleeping in a chair nearby me. He's he's doing his best. Uh, uh yeah. Meanwhile, my social media presence doesn't extend beyond the. Ah, uh, God, I can't even call it the bird anymore. Yeah. No. <laughs> still, Let, let's look, let's be real. It's still, uh, uh, it's still the bird. They took the say, logo let's, off the building. Let's be real. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, on that note, uh, poor without social media, it, it really can't be the big disaster for those guys. Oh my God! That's right. They're the same fucking building. Just, 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 just remember, Viz has been based in San Francisco its entire life. These are not the first tech shitheads they probably had to be in an office next to. <laughs> oh, probably. They're, they're tougher than that. <laughs> probably. Um, um uh, did, did anyone else have anything else to say about Ian or uh, uh, any of the performances? It, he was pretty good. Ian Hawk was pretty good. Fun mm-hmm. little punk-ass kid. <laughs> Now I just have that in my head, and now I want to play either Somnium Vows again. Punk ass kid. Punk ass kid. <laughs> well, here, let's put this recording on pause. We'll, we'll be back in a bit after we play either the Somnium Files for a couple you hours. You realize if we were to do a few hours, it's good. It's more than a few hours, Noah. Well, we can, like, like double time it, right? That's not how this works. 
It's it's a visual novel. You gotta get it. About to say, you're talking, Noah, you're in a call with three people who have played Eye of the Somnium Files. You can't finish it in a couple of hours. I'm joking. Unfortunately, unfortunately it does not have a 1.5 speed up. (laughs) Yes. Um, uh, Anything else? Uh, no, I, no, I like it. Well, let's move on to the yeah, next batch of very memorable characters. Oh Indeed. God! Before before we get there, I will give a brief shout out to um, James Lyon and Robert Wicks, aka Jameson Price and Bob Buckles, as the two Men in Black guys. Oh yeah, I, I just enjoyed when they. I enjoyed when they. I enjoyed when they popped up. I would not mind if they got like a spinoff where they just do weird shady shit and then like talked at each other in the car afterwards. No, <laughs> I, I, I also would like that spinoff, but also their day job is working on power lines like we saw at the end of the show. That's their day job, and then at night, they're all sketchy as shit. Can I also hmm. briefly shout out fucking Leah Sargent, too, as Chisa Yomoda? Uh, the girl who commits you. suicide in the beginning? Yep. I... I love seeing where directors who act put themselves in anime dubs, mm-hmm. and it's very interesting that Leah chooses to play the dead girl who kicks everything off. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much. But uh, Le- but Lachisa does come back, like, briefly towards the end when Lane is contemplating shit, right. too, which is very Cause, interesting. Because it's that kind of show. Mm-hmm. She, she has a very pr- a very prominent line about, uh, it, it's not actually easy to die. Uh, I don't know why yes. you think that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which, yeah, um, I, I don't know if this show was specifically targeting, like, trying to be an anti-suicide PSA, but I'm glad that it got that point. Or, or, or an anti-technology I mean, PSA? There, 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 I don't there, think it's there, anti-tech. There's definitely, there's definitely, there's definitely, an, there's definitely a, a, a through line in here about, like, uh, the, the struggle of existence is worth it. Yeah. I think you can definitely read that in. So mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think there, I think there's something in there about that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very subtle, especially with Chisa, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't see it because she's kind of just one and done in the beginning, and then it mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really come up and again until like the like the until the eleventh hour essentially, but it's still a very poignant moment I think. Mm. It does help kind of set the the stage of like the weirdness of the wire because the way that she speaks yeah. uh, when we first see her message, it's like there is a rumor at that school that this email is yeah. a prank. It is not a prank. And it's like, yeah, it's a little monotone, but it's like intentionally creepy to ease you into mm-hmm. there's going to be some weird stuff. This is not your happy, yes. happy Kodacha slice of life anime. This is uh, shit's going down kind of anime. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. By the way, I need to get Kodacha. Thank you, Discotech, for pointing that back out again. How's that? <laughs> uh, do we want to move on to our next set of characters? Yes. yes. All right, uh, this will probably be pretty short. We have uh, the Urakara family, uh, Yasuo, who's the dad, Mio, who is the mom, and Mika, who is Lane's sister. Um, but are they they're really? They're a curious bunch. They're yeah. very uh, uh, that, I, that's, that's a question. Uh, uh, yeah, because uh, they kind of... Uh, the, the, they're not, the, the, I guess? The, yeah. The, the show is very ambiguous about whether the uh, them suddenly disappearing is meant to be a sign that they are never a real family or is part of, uh, you know, Lane's kind of slow breakdown that she's having affecting the real world, making her, her loved ones go away. A lot yeah, of things about the family was so confusing. Yeah, I don't know, because like, the family was framed as decent from the very beginning, so, like, mm-hmm. I don't At least watching it for this, I got the implication that they weren't her real family and she was brought in for uh, I don't know no, I, I, I guess I, I, I got I, the impression I, she was supposed to be connected to like whatever so, like 
Masabi Eri was doing. So visually speaking, I can see where Jet's coming from because there is mm-hmm. a moment in the show where like Lane is kind of standing in the doorway of the home and her her family's like near the stairs further out and someone pushes Lane into the house. I can kind of see from a visual standpoint where um, Jet might be seeing that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very confusing. This family's idea, so confusing. It is, the idea is, is more that Lane that we see like near the beginning of the show is like a hologram projection of a program that's already in the Wired and these characters who we're about to talk about were like planted there to give the illusion of her real world counterpart having a normal existence and we see in the 10th episode about when the dad is leaving and he kind of, he lays it out pretty straightforward to us and says you know it's time for us to go you must have figured it out by now we were never really your family but that's okay because you're never really alone all you gotta do is plug into the wired and everyone will love you so that that's the clearest explanation we get yeah I, it, I, but by that point though too the line between for lane the line between what is real and what is actually part of the wired is very much blurred so you could also take that same scene and be like am i actually in the wired though and not in real life like it's the line is so blurred by that point you can't exactly tell by that point what is reality and what is fiction if that makes sense so the big thing I'm confused about, and we can get into this once we introduce the actors. I'm so fucking confused about the sister. Yeah, and so all of that. Well, she, well that's well, that's well, that's obvious. She loses her soul and turns into a modem. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Anyway, can we just before we go too crazy? Can sure. we talk about the voices? Oh, too late. Absolutely. Too, too late. We're already uh, there. The 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 uh, the Arakawas. They're distant. They're weird. They're kind of. Um, I'm not going to say confusing on purpose, but I, I think they are an example of how the show, uh, in some places, I think, is not particularly interested in clean yes-no answers and wants yeah. to make you really have to come to your own conclusions it's about ve- what you think It's happens. very ambiguous. Yes. Um, uh, playing the dad, uh, Yasua, we have Gil Starberry, who is known for such roles as uh, the king of Metaricana in Bastard, the OVA, not the one on Netflix, uh, Steiner Hardy in Mobile Suit Gundam uh, 0080, War in the Pocket, and uh, Apple Delphi Sinzend Hesap Luften in Cowboy Bebop. If you're wondering who that is, uh, well, you might have guessed from the name, that's Edward's dad, who's um, eternally trying to map out that planet that meteors are constantly falling that on. That is a that mouthful planet. of a name. I'm pretty uh, sure that planet I mean, was. I Earth. mean, look at what he look at what he named his kid, right? <laughs> well, Jesus no, I thought Christ. Ed gave himself that themselves that name. I don't. You know what? It's been a long since I haven't seen Bebop. I don't actually remember which direction it goes in. But clearly, if that is true, the apple does not fall from the tree. Mm-hmm. Apple Deli is that intentional? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, he's also Mr. God in the MTV uh, shorts version of the Max, which I'm just including because I like the Max and I like bringing it up. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you can't not mention uh, the Max. Exactly. Uh, Miho, the mom, is played by Celeste Birch. Um, Celeste only has one anime role, uh, but that's okay because it's Ryoko from Tenshi Muyo. That explains <laughs> so far as I can, much. Which, as far as I can tell, is the main reason to watch Tenshi Muyo these what? days anyways, so yes. good for her. Yes, it is. She, uh, the, uh, for, for Screw Tenchi, he's not important. Screw all the other girls. It is all about one character, and it is that one, absolutely. Now, even the cat ship 
character thing. No, for, for, forget about that. No, it's all about I, the one character. I, then, uh, I mean, I mean, what is what is Owl House if not three seasons? Three seasons. <laughs> three, 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 three. I, I, I mean, I mean, I have. I mean, I don't know, I haven't watched that in, like, forever, and I only have vague memories of when I watched it as a kid, but I do disagree remember Ryoko being best girl, so that's not that great. Ryoko I is best have, girl. I have never watched Tenchi Muyo, nor do I have any interest in watching Tenchi Muyo. I'll just take your to, word for it. If you have a version to visible anime tits, then yes, you should probably avoid that show. At least the original yeah. OVA. All I know is this explains so much as to why I'm not a fan of the mom's performance. <laughs> I'm gonna say that right fucking now. Oh, I'll say this I'm is nothing sorry. like Tenchi. There's nothing like Ryoko at all. I'm s- I I imagine so, but this is ex- the fact that there's only like basically two credits to this. Oh no no no! She she's a she's a very well versed voice actor. This is just her only anime role. What else has she done okay. outside of anime? Say that. A shit ton of stuff. A shit ton of stuff I didn't write down. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll look it hold up. On, I'm gonna look up. Oh, I'm looking up their website. It's linked on ANN. That that like might they, help they, are, they are a real voice actor. They just haven't done a lot of anime work. Oh, that was the joke. God. Which is fine. Okay. Which is fine. Oh, audiobooks. What else have you done? Anyway, keep going. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. yes. Uh, and and Mika is played by uh, Patricia J. Lee. Not a pseudonym. That's their real name. Uh, she plays, we, yeah, she plays Mifa in Cowboy Bebop. She is Matricia Martin in Lucky Star. Uh, uh, she is Mizuku Okujima in The Melancar of Haruhu Suzumiya. And also, if you had those DVDs, you might recognize her as the live-action Haruhi from those ASOS Brigade shorts. Oh, really? Yeah, that's her running around in that, huh, in that outfit. Okay. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Is that the one where they're, like, interviewing the, the, uh, the voice actors? No, no, these were like these odd things that they I don't know where they came from, but they're like they're like live action and it's like Haruhi running around doing stuff. I don't And they have her playing Haruhi. Was this on like like I, do you know if this is no, on they, the the re, the re-release, the Funimation re-release? I assume they are, but I've never actually checked a look. I'm going to have to check. They were definitely one. on the old Bandai DVDs. That's where I saw them, but I I couldn't tell you at this point. Okay. Hmm. But, oh, I but yeah, um yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, getting into these performances, uh, these were probably the three I found the most shaky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the yeah. fact that we couldn't even figure out if they're real or not probably went to the show <laughs> themselves. Because it's like, okay, guys, you're playing a dad and a mom, but you're not really. You're, you're like, you have a strained relationship, but you might not actually be married. Go. Oh my god. Like I'm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it, you did pick up a good point because, like, they don't. There's not a whole lot of material with like any of them, so I'm not sure what the actors could really latch on to here. But... The mom has nothing. Nope. The mom has nothing. She it, just it, exists. You know, you know when I was talking about some of the characters are kind of like, you know, just avatars and archetypes? Mm-hmm. Board housewife, distant dad, bitchy sister. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Now, okay, so, so the question is, do they at least perform those archetypes well? I, I will, I will go to back that I think Gil, Gil does a good job of being a really emotionally a distant dad. Yes, who, I, I will who, give them credit on that. 
who does clearly like his daughter, he just doesn't know how to actually express the affection in any, like, a way outside of, like, oh, you're into computers, I'm into computers, I'll yeah. get you computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, it's very nerd. interesting. The, the fact that he has that one, he finds that one thing that they can connect on, and he has way more lines than the other the other two in this group about, yeah. um, like, he has lines about uh, the interconnectivity of the universe uh, with the wired, but also uh, he actually comes back to explain that, you know, Lane, the, the wired is not the real world, and then yeah. Lane shuts him down and is like, but you're wrong, it is the real world. Yeah, yeah, the- yeah I, I found it interesting that this was a guy who... Yeah, the it ends up being like the dad doing like a last ditch effort to keep Lane from going too far, Um, and it's very interesting. It's a very interesting setup because no, it's a very interesting um, delivery because the setup for it at the start of the show is that dad just really likes computers and he's also almost what it looks like anyway obsessed with the wire at least that's what you visually see when in actuality he's able to discern the two and keep like the wired at a distance and it's not an obsession unlike what happens with lane and she goes down that rabbit hole it's a very interesting it's very interesting that the dad is the one who who's like you know it's not real right and that's hmm. and as a dad myself that definitely resonates of the yeah i want my uh, kids to have connections with people on this great uh, technology mm-hmm. that we have. Um, like um, Oliver uh, does have people who he talks to on Minecraft and they're building stuff yeah. together. But I also make a point to rem- remind him, yeah, make sure that you uh, like you actually know who you're talking to. You don't share yeah. confidential information. And also that you don't spend all of your time on there. That's why there's a time limit on Switch, people. Say, hmm. I, I, I remember going through the exact same thing when I was in like middle school, high school, when... That was when, like, the internet was really coming up, honestly, when more things were accessible at that point. And I would be I would be getting those same exact messages, Noah, that, like, you are telling Ollie, and I would get that from my family. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and so, again, like, that kind of stuff is still prevalent to this day. <laughs> and it's very interesting how poignant the show can be with that kind of stuff. It's interesting that the dad, uh, Gil's performance, he doesn't really show up in the kids episode. There's an episode where they go, they talk to a scientist, like a mad scientist who like did experiments on kids and kind of locked their brains in the wired. Um, and that (laughs) felt to me like a parallel to how, uh, the, the, um, the youth of that day of 1998, Mm -hmm. uh, should be cautious about being too connected to the internet or, uh, accidentally, giving away information that they shouldn't online yeah. but the dad doesn't really have a, a role in that it's like once once he has established and gotten lane her computer that she then starts building into this giant monster that it is he doesn't mm-hmm. really come back again until uh the, near the end when he kind of delivers that we're not real goodbye you're gonna be just fine uh delivery in yeah. her, he does show up one more time though after that Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is interesting you brought up that whole thing with the kids experiment because, like, I feel like that was maybe supposed to be the explanation for Blade being Blade, but it's also vague, so I'm not yeah, totally the, sure. Yeah, the question is, is this, is this a sermon about uh, kids being too addicted to the internet, or is it part of the plot? What it, can we get some footnotes, please? Can we get some liner <laughs> notes? And no, can, we cannot. Can, can I also just say that whole kids episode, the one thing I was thinking of, because it's not only these like weird experiments and stuff like that, they're like, the kids are like raising their arms and looking at the sky. 
And all I can think of, because remember, at one point, the clouds part oh. open, and then Lane is there, and the one thing I can think of is fucking, praise the sun! <laughs> <laughs> Is that is that is that the Dark Souls guy yes. I see everywhere? Yes. yes. Yeah. No, when, when I saw that, it's like, oh, it's the Dark Souls guy when he was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at him! He turned his hobby to a job. Good for that guy. Praise the sun. Not the worst thing to see when you look up at the sky, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for Lane, it was very confusing for seeing herself in the sky for some fucking reason, though. Yeah, I, I didn't quite get that either. It's like, are we in there or not? I, I, I'm trying to... <laughs> Praise Lane! So yeah, Gil get, definitely gets the most uh, to perform. Um, mm -hmm. And it's it sounds very similar to the Japanese again. Like, they, they got an actor who sounded pretty similar to the original uh, Yusao in the Japanese. Um, not really a flat delivery. Um, definitely uh, gets some good emotional beats in there. But it's inconsistent. That's the thing I'm going to say yeah. about the three of these is that they have parts that are well acted but then there's other flat line deliveries especially uh, th there's a part where the mom is asking the dad uh or, or i'm not sorry it's the sister who's uh, kind of saying lane's acting kind of weird and the dad has like this weird delivery of like no pause 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 that's normal <laughs> for her age not that 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 don't worry about it yeah. too much it's just <laughs> yeah. i know they're trying to match the lip flaps it's just like oh poor poor guy <laughs> poor guy yeah it's it's a little tricky. Like, no, I think you're right. For, like, a good amount with the family, there are some highlights. I, I'm only going to say between the dad and the sister, there are some good points. I did not care for the voice the mom had at all. I'm sorry. Okay. Like, it was oh, so stilted and so bored. I'm, I was dying on the inside. Um, <laughs> but thankfully, the mom didn't have a lot to do anyway, aside from... Yeah, 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 to me, I'm kind of wondering if that was maybe like the reason. Like, there wasn't really a whole lot. For, yeah, no, I mean, of, like, of, of the of the like, we're talking about like eight characters here in total. The mom has by far the least to do. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm most I'm, I included her here because her name's bolted on A and N. Like, yeah, she doesn't have a lot to work with. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, um. So the question then is that like, <laughs> is she supposed to be flat because she's uh she's not Lane's actual mother, or is she supposed to be? a parallel to that time period where people could like men could get super addicted to technology and uh, neglect their wives I, I i feel like i mean i think the broader thing is the implication is this family's kind of dysfunctional yeah. in general so, like, yeah. in, like i think i think it's partially like this is not a very happy marriage no like they're yeah. not like whatever, whatever spark was there when they were younger is not here anymore yeah yeah you just get the fam you just get these ads that they family does not talk to each other like literally at all so, uh, yeah, like even yeah. even in like the in the last episode where we're in like the laneless world, like yeah. st they still act like that. Like yeah, they're, not, oh, yeah. they're just not very connected. It's a, uh, yeah, because I remember like even early on in this, you know, there's like a bit where like they mentioned like oh, so I where I don't know, I think like the sister comes over and it's like oh wow, like you're home early, meanwhile like Lane's out, like God mm -hmm. knows how late. And it's like yeah, like can you be concerned that your daughter is out late doing something? Um, nope. Yeah, nope. I, I <laughs> nope. don't care. <laughs> No, yeah, it's... Oh, God, it's... I'm sorry, I don't like the Bob's performance, like, at all. It was the f most dull I had ever heard in my entire goddamn <laughs> life. Um, the sister, though. So, Patricia Jolie. Um, the sister, uh, again, similar to a lot of the performances in the show, and, like, we were just talking about with the dad, too, um, 
the consistency is not there. Like, there are some moments, performance-wise, where I can, like, feel what she's conveying, but it's not done at a consistent level. Mm-hmm. So it makes it the performance a bit more stilted. And I I think when given what the circumstances here with though with the show, I think probably the standout moments in episode f- specifically for Mika as a character is the episode where I don't even still fucking know what happened to her. <laughs> oh, the, one, the one where she, like, loses her soul and disappears into nothing, Appar- and afterwards she's just kind of a beatatonic nothing. Beep, where apparently she didn't beep, fulfill some fucking beep, prophecy, and now beep. she's just speaking in Morse code or some more shit. Like, no, she's a modem. Yeah, I think she's a modem. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't A human modem. I don't even know what happened to her. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, for the most part, she was running away, like, and she was being told to fulfill some goddamn prophecy. Like, what the fuck is even happening? Where did this come from and why her? So, there's two ways to interpret her character. Is that mm-hmm. uh, in episode two, which is titled Girls, uh, she acts as an example of uh, growing up. Because that whole episode is, like, it's got lines about uh, puberty and maturity and mm-hmm. Lane sort of, like, developing beyond childhood into the adulthood that her sister is clearly in. But then yeah. the second half of her development is, like, she's become so disconnected that she starts to lose her humanity and becomes the modem that we see. Um, and so that uh, you see that, like, glazed-over expression that she's kind of got as she's kind of, like, like drifting out of consciousness, which mm-hmm. I took to mean that she was supposed to represent people who get like too addicted to the internet and be like kind of lose their humanity in the process. But the problem with <sighs> the sister is she's—you don't really see her that connected to the internet, though. Yes, uh, yeah, like uh, losing yourself to the internet seems more like Lane's deal. About to say, like, if anyone was gonna have that, like, glazed over expression, it would be Lane, and she does have that from time to time. Mika, on the other hand, it's not really prompted, so I don't even know. I don't. I don't know, like, where that disc that connection could be. To be honest with you. Well, it could be actually. Now that you mentioned that, um, the idea is that those who do not connect to the internet lose the interconnectivity of the rest of the world because everyone else is getting connected to that like singularity that we were talking about. And she's not, you know, she's more about like, I think she's fucking, I I think she was having, she was sleeping with that guy in that one episode. She has Uh, a life, I guess. Yeah, she has a social life, uh, but she didn't jump on board. Like, you know, she didn't get Internet Explorer. And so everyone's just kind of leaving her in the dust. So what does that say about the mom then, if you use that logic? Oh, the mom's comatose. Absolutely gone. (laughs) (laughs) But she she didn't turn into a modem though. Yeah, I, yeah, I think this is one of the things where it's just kind of like, why did this happen? I don't know, the show is weird. See, see, this, is, this is the beauty of this show. Here we are having deep, serious discussion about what everything is supposed to be. Isn't this great? I mean, <laughs> We're having deep tel- discussions about what makes a modem work. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. This was obviously written by guys. Um, like, the gender politics of this are a little skewed because, obviously, like, the women do not get, like, a good out. You know, the men get either... Um, like grand brain breaking, uh, you know, outs in the show or turning into giant monsters, or the women are just kind of like, uh, beep, 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 beep. That's also <laughs> not true. <laughs> that is also not true. Um, remember that whole thing with the knights? There is a female knight involved who ends up 
ends up dead yeah. after that yes. whole. So you can't yes, exactly even right. say that. <laughs> it's, so it's, 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 yeah, it's, 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 it's inconsistent. It's, it's very inconsistent. <laughs> but to bring it back to the discussion about the actress herself, uh, Patricia, I don't know what the direction they gave her in the booth was. Uh, but um, she, do, she when the scenes um, are more conventional in like the uh, uh, social older sister role, um, mm-hmm. I'm glad that they didn't give her like a, a valley girl accent or you know like something that would convey like the the socialite um, teenager voice that maybe you would ex- you would expect if the show was more over the top and just had uh, kind of like a normal uh, teenage girl voice, I guess. I feel like it kind of leaned more towards a bit more of a mature tone of voice for the sister, which I think works. And especially for a dynamic between Mika and Lane, where Lane is a lot more like higher pitched and a little bit more breathy at times Mm -hmm. um, compared to Mika, who is much more grounded, a little bit more of mature sounding kind of like... I'm not I, I I'm about to say no nonsense it's not the quite dis- not quite the descriptor I'm looking for but it kind of fits in there so for the dynamic between the two sisters I think it works very well um mm-hmm. because with what Mika's character is in this show I would the, the, I don't see valley girl at all that is not a description for that character at all no so it's... I'm also very I'm also very glad that they didn't default to that horse shit. Um, so, again, it's probably one of those things where they were matching the Japanese, and of course the Japanese Mika did not sound like a valley girl, so. Yeah, I think, I, th- I mean, I think to Noah's point, a, 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 like, a contrast between the two of them is, um, I mean, wait, is Steph's point? I, I, like, uh, Lane is very much presented as someone who is, um, maybe not, like, childish, but still kind of immature, like, you know, she yeah. wears her bare onesie, she still has all of her stuffed animals, and her sister is someone who's clearly, like... Uh, they are, if not embracing adulthood, they're much further along towards that and are much more like, you know, I have a social life. I don't actually like hanging out with my parents very much and Ooh. I try to avoid doing it anymore. I might have um, a good description, cetera, cetera. actually. Mm-hmm. Lane is more of a representation of innocence mm-hmm. compared to her sister. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and it, it, you can definitely see that on display with Lane's naivete as well as some of her actions and you can even say that when we fucking get to it when we talk about the two lanes oh yeah in this um but all right you're right uh but real life lane kind of has that glimmer of like innocence and childlike wonder in a, a little bit um and it's a very interesting um counter to Mika's more mature, um, a bit more well-rounded, more adult um, between the two sisters. So mm-hmm. There is one criticism I would have with Mika's performance, and it's, mm-hmm. it's sure. I think it's less to do with the voice acting and more to do with just the direction of the show, like on an animation level. I often uh-huh. confused Mika with Alice. When I, was I did that a couple times, attention. yeah. yeah. I, 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 that, that's actually one of those things where I, I, a part of me wonders if that is slightly intentional, maybe? Um, like, like her, 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 like her relationship with her sister being in such cruddy, uh, straights lane, like gravitates towards someone who reminds her of her. Maybe. Uh, Or maybe, or maybe someone she wants to have that kind of relationship with. Yeah. 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 Okay. I I can kind of see that. 
But it doesn't help that the character designs for Mika and Alice. Like, if you put them two side by side... Oh, no, side, yeah! It, it's not that distinct from each other. None of them have, the like, the little X in their hair like Lane does. So it's like, I don't know <laughs> oh, which one I'm looking no. at at the moment. I'll do you one better. I mixed up. I thought, you know, the episode that was focused on Mika where she didn't fulfill the fucking prophecy. Um, uh-huh. I actually got her mixed up with... What the fuck is her name? The other friend. Is it Ritsu, maybe? Whatever oh, her name the lo- is. The, lo- the long hair? Yes. Not the bun's hair, yeah. but yeah, the long hair. No, not not Ju- not Julie. Uh, or not Julie. Um, I, but she's The actual name of the character yeah, yeah, is not even fucking one. listed here. Um, but yeah, the <laughs> other one. Reika, Re- yeah, Re- Reika, Reika's the one thank with you. the straight hair, and Julie's the one with the puffy hair. Yeah, Reika, that's her name. Yeah, I got, her, I got Mika mixed up with Reika during that episode. I was like, huh? <laughs> This is not Reika. <laughs> it's Mika. Yeah. And again, I don't think that's a criticism of the, the actresses, because if I was really paying attention, no. you could tell subtle differences between Alice and Mika's performance and the other girl A and girl B who you mentioned. But just yeah. the, the way the show is animated, and this is just kind of a thing that Ryotara Nakamura likes to do, it's all very squashy and stretchy, and it's kind of hard to tell which character is which if you're not paying very close attention. Yeah. So that, And that's all I have to say about that. Excellent. Any other thoughts on these characters from anyone? Uh, I got nothing. All right. Do we want to talk about our leads? Oh, yes. God. Oh, boy. So much here. Wait, let me All pour right. another glass. So we, we... Hold on. Let me. Oh, here we go. <laughs> here so we, we go. We have, our, we, have our, we have our main character, and we have our main character's best friend. Question mark. Uh, <laughs> we have Lane Iwakura. Uh, Lane's uh, she, she's in school. <laughs> She's very isolated. She's very shy. She's very bad at opening up to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but one day she decides to uh, turn on her laptop because uh, some people are talking about getting a weird chain email. Uh, and she finds the world of Wired and she finds a vehicle with which to maybe express herself a little more easily. And this ends up having consequences. <laughs> uh, Understatement. And, and we also have Alice. Alice is a schoolmate of hers. Uh, they basically end up becoming friends in part because... Uh, Alice and a couple of her buddies all thought that they saw Lane at a hip dance club they like going to. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Lane, was that you? You're not the we don't you're not the kind of person who goes out there. And they start including her events and they become friends. Uh, and this unexpectedly also has consequences. Uh, oh boy, does it. Yeah, I'm sure sure does. Uh, who's playing these characters? Well, Alice is being played by Emily Brown. Uh, best known uh, for roles such as Kotoko in The Legend of Black Heaven. Aina Sahalin in Mobile Suit Gundam, the 8th MS team, and Melfina in Outlaw Star. Oh, nice. Yeah, you're right. And uh, Lane is played by Ruby Marlowe, who is best known for playing Belle Dandy in Ah My Goddess the Movie. Uh, she's Miyaka Yuki in Fushugi Yugi, that is the main character. Uh, and she's uh, Mima Kirigo in Perfect Blue. That, that oh! doesn't happen to be an alias by any chance, would it? Uh, that, is an alias for, that is an alias for Bridget Hoffman, yes. Oh, what a shock. Is it... Totally don't have Mima. the cast list right in front of me. Absolutely not. Where's <laughs> Mima? I just want to look. Oh, fuck! <laughs> she the lead of Perfect Blue. Mima! Yep. A, uh, oh, boy. So her, apparently this is the woman you called up when you had something uh, screwy and mind-bending and you wanted to dub it in uh, the late 90s and early 2000s. Oh, boy, is it! <laughs> 
Yep. When did when did the when did the when did the English release happen for Perfect Blue? I now I'm morbidly curious. Now we've pulled the. I feel I feel like it was within a few years of the show of the movie coming out. So like late like definitely late nineties. I think if maybe like two thousand. To be exact, the VHS version of the dub for Perfect Blue came out November twenty third, nineteen ninety nine. So for Thanksgiving, right in time for the holidays, boys and girls. Ah, uh, what a fun time. I remember, that, I remember so- being that kid in 1999 who was like, Grandma, I really like cartoons. And Grandma finds this on the shelf and is like, what? This is cartoons. This is what you asked for, right? But gather family around. Gather the family. Or something like that. <laughs> oh, no. Can you imagine, like, Thanksgiving dinner? Every All the families gathered around. Everybody's full about to go into a turkey coma. Hey, why don't we watch a movie? And then you slip in Perfect Blue. And then everybody just like vomits up their dinner. <laughs> We're, we are never inviting you again. <laughs> you want to know what it's like to be treated like comic book guy from The Simpsons? Well, now you'll know for the rest of your life. <laughs> Anyways, oh, man. all right. These, where, where do we want to start? Let's start with Alice, um, just because I feel right. like she's uh, as opposed to Lane. Alice does not uh, get to be multiple different characters in the show mm-hmm. but yeah. she does have the most range because she goes from a uh, normal happy high school character to the only one whose memories are preserved after lane kind of like yeah resets yeah. resets everything yeah um so and uh obviously like uh first of all in the japanese um they don't call her alice they call her arisu but that's clearly like Odyssey, the Japanese. Yeah paneration of the word alice um uh, again they do this they do that they do they do the same thing with um julie her name in japanese is judy yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah i i i mean i mean alice i'm at least willing to buy that might just uh, that might just be a difference in like a japanese pronunciation because they don't have like elder or yeah, they yeah, don't have yeah. the. Yeah, they don't have the Japanese. It, it's yeah. an alu card, alu card kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awu card, awu, alu. And but um, so yeah, performance wise, um, it, it's it's pretty good. Um, has to do a lot. Has to um, uh, be both um upset at Lane for uh both leaking her secrets about jacking it to her teacher, while also yep. um, <laughs> saving Lane near the end by reminding her. Hey, we're human. We're alive. Like, like, feel this. Here, touch my boobs. See, you feel that? Touch my boobs. Because <laughs> that's exactly where your heart is, right in between your boobs. Absolutely. By the way, boys and girls. Uh, Anatomy. Like said, made, made by men. What can I say? Yeah, 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 so, uh, but one way it's an Alice, I love you. I, uh, I, I got a certain vibe there. Yeah. <laughs> Little queer vibe. And going they on were their their best friends. Best friends. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, totally. Yeah, I, I gotta say something mean. It's it's totally Uh-oh. up to interpretation. I, I definitely have very fuzzy memories of this being a show that, like, uh, Yuri fans of yore were fond of. Uh, not for strictly being Yuri, but going enough in that direction that they had something to enjoy. They had very little to to grab onto at that time, so they took whatever scraps they could get, right? <laughs> 
I guess I don't I don't know what kind of stuff was available in, in the U.S. in the in the late '90s, but sure, let's go with not that. Not a lot, uh, I, mean, I don't if, think. If you if uh, Utena was not enough for you, I guess. Oh yeah, there's Utena. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a gay show at all. <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure if you say that, like, Ikuhara will just come to your house in a decade. Oh, absolutely. He'll <laughs> come for your ass. Well, that that's coming later. That's uh, uh, Jet. You and I, we got later. Uh, discuss this thing about that but oh well later discussions even though you forget that lane's gonna come after that okay so we've already talked about it we haven't as of recording this episode but breaking the fourth any, wall any, ladies any and gents ikuhara likes gay any girls okay it, it's not a secret <laughs> he likes the gay um but Anyways. yeah um i <laughs> Emily's, uh i don't again i don't know what direction she was giving in this but um, the range is mostly good. It's a little inconsistent. There are flatline mm-hmm. reads. Um, yeah. Uh, specifically when they're uh, going out and about in, like, the club setting and just kind of, like, being normal kids is, like, they didn't quite know how to interpret that. It reminded me a bit of, um, have you guys ever seen this Baz Luhrmann movie called Romeo Plus Juliet? Oh, my God. The Baz Luhrmann version of that movie. Yep. You, yep. Yeah, yep. the guy says, bring me my long sword, and it's a shotgun that has uh, a long that, sword uh, on yes, it. Yes, that one. Uh, that one. Uh, you, okay, so you mean the best, so you mean the best adaptation of Romeo and Juliet to exist? Uh, I don't know. Debatable. I mean, no- well, Nomeo plus Juliet has uh, Elton John songs, so... Uh, okay, that okay, is incorrect. Okay, that is okay, the I mean, wrong interpretation. Fuck you. It is. You had a point you were working towards. What was it? The, the point... Okay, so the point I had was that um, delivery-wise, in that movie, the teenage actors can't recite Shakespeare dialogue for shit because they don't know what in the hell they're, <laughs> what they're saying. I get some of that delivery from the Emily Brown lines... Um, not because she's not a good voice actress, but because they don't quite know what tone to go for. The direction is like, we don't know if this is like in the real world, this is in the wired. And there's a couple of lines like that, which hold this dub back from being an okay dub. It definitely suffers from that. We don't know the tone to go for because we don't quite know what's going on in the story. And that's the biggest criticism I can have of Emily's performance as Alice in this dub. Hmm, Interesting. Mm-hmm. I would say she has some moments in her performance where, because the whole point with Alice's character is to essentially be, I think, um, Lane's one last connection to the real world and humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Because Alice is very nice to her. Like, she tries to include her in things. She tries to be a friend. And so when... Lane, or supposedly not Lane, um, leaks that she is uh, getting a clam jam going on um, for her teacher. <laughs> um, and when that information is put out to the public and she, like, Lane gets blamed for it, Lane feels bad that the only person that really, that she really cares about and who cares about her is hurt because of her. So she tries to fix it. Hence, like, what we said earlier about, like, everybody losing their memories about the incident except for Alice. Except for her. Because I I, I think that she is the one last piece of humanity or connection to the real world that Lane does have. 
Mm-hmm. So much so that by the end of it, when Lane decides, I'm just going to reset everything and take myself out of the equation. I'm just going to take myself out of this. Uh, I am not going to exist. That's fine. Um, it, 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 it's, it's, it, it, there's a disconnect. And, is like, it I'm trying to, to make Evangelion references at this point in the discussion? No. No, you're not wrong. I mean, again, uh, it. W- I mean, again, it would have been a year before this show. I, 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 th- I, th- I, I, I feel like the people making this in Anno had very similar things on their mind when they made their shows. I don't think. Yeah. I think that's a warranted comparison. Yeah. Go on. I, I was gonna agree that. Yeah. I, I know people have made the comparison and said, "Oh, Konaka, uh, Jackie J. Konaka must have obviously cribbed his ideas from Evangelion." But I think it, it's more like. No, they were just very interested in very similar things. And yes, they put power lines in a lot of their uh, shots. And it's like, come on, guys, that's not enough of a comparison. That just that just that that just tells me these people live in don't live in places that still have above ground power lines. Exactly. Anymore, that's all that fucking tells me. <laughs> but but so, but um. Anyway, back to kind of like my brain processing thoughts. Like mm-hmm. after Lane disconnects, basically everybody from everybody. Like and gets herself out of ev- there, and nobody knows who Lane is. Nobody exists. She loses all those connections with Alice being that final one. Um, going back to the dad, actually, um, the dad ends up trying to reestablish a connection to Lane and try and bridge that gap. Because remember, she she's depressed. She's in this world by herself, nothing to do, no one to talk to, except this other Lane that's here. And she's just, like, miserable. And then suddenly, her dad comes into the Wired. And her dad kind of helps bridge the gap and kind of start the, starts a process of healing for Lane. So much so that what I would think is years down the line, um, Lane is able to exist back in the real world as much as humanly possible. And she does interact with Alice one more time. And it's it's a very poignant moment at, moment at the end of the show too for Alice, where Alice has been able to overcome all of the adversity that she had gone through, and she's actually dating the goddamn teacher that she has a thing for. Like it's very interesting. It's but that Lane that's still to be a heartwarming moment. <laughs> it's... In today's society, that that. It... I don't today's know society, listen, to, to, in today's society, it would be questionable. But in the late 90s, it would be like a sweet, like, happy ending moment. Maybe quite literally and and mentally. I, I don't know. But the point is, Lane tries to reach back out to Alice just to make a brief connection. Not necessarily reminding Alice of who she is, but just being able to still have for Elaine's purpose still have that connection to Alice um as the first real friend and the person that she cares about and helps hold and ground her humanity in the real world it's it's a lot to digest and Emily's performance I will agree is not consistent there are moments where I think it shines really nicely she's very sweet in the performance towards Lane and it's so nice but yeah, the consistency, like a lot of other performances in the show, it's not there, the consistency. Um, but yeah, that's I, I just came to that realization about Alice after... I just watched the final episode right before we started recording, so I'm like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely not a whole lot of consistency 
Which, as I, uh, which that's kind of perfect because this is supposed to be the character who's kind of supposed to bring uh, a sense of humanity to this show, so it is a little bit of a letdown. But, uh, but I did think, I did think, I did at least like her during, you know, I mean, like the final moments with Wade, where she's like trying to convince her, like, no, it's not like, yes, we're here, like, I'm a real person, this is reality. Yeah. Uh, since you reminded me of it, do you want to know what I thought? This is tangentially related, Emily, but you know what the most jarring moment in this dub is? Oh, what? What? It's when Alice is having her little, like, uh, like, fantasy daydream about, uh, like, uh, the, like, the teacher, like, being sweet on her. Oh, yeah. And the teacher is played by Stephen Bloom. Yes! No! Se- sexy teacher Stephen Bloom was no. not something I was prepared for. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, we it's told you, we told you, Noah, there's, n- n- Mary Elizabeth McGlynn is not the only Bebop actor in here. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, no, I know, I, I know, okay. it's supposed to be depressing hearing that, because I have, the moment you said that, I just remember the other character he was probably known for playing around this time. Okay, well, not around this time, but like a few years later. What, uh, the GTO guy? Yes. <laughs> very, teacher very, different teacher. <laughs> very different teacher only uh, slightly less creepy in that show than this one. Oh, only, only slightly this is closer to like when he shows up in the walla in perfect blue playing like some sleazy entertainment reporter <laughs> uh, Steve, Steve Bloom has a wide range of voices which makes it really hilarious when he just uses his natural speaking voice on some random nobody. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, in the words uh, 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 in the words of this attack, you gotta have some gratuitous Steve Bloom in here somewhere. God Absolutely. damn it, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I've never um, heard that before, but you're fucking right. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, that came up during the last because that tree and I thought it was extremely funny. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> um, uh, Jet, did you talk about Emily yet? Uh, uh, yeah, I gave, like, some brief two cents. Uh, Steph, you talked about, no, did you talk about, you talked about it already, right? Yeah, yeah, we can, we can. All right. I think Uh, we can, um, gather all of our digital energy together and join the singularity that is talking about what a trip Bridget Hoffman, I'm sorry, Ruby Marlowe's performance as Lane is. Pseudonyms! Yeah, uh, yeah, this, it's a very interesting performance because there's, there's quite a lot going on with this character. Oh, oh yeah. boy, is that? I'd like to. I'd, I'd like to think that this performance is uh, a reference to one of Clint Eastwood's most famous performances. Uh, this performance is quite literally the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, oh god, god, that is an apt description, and I hate that you said uh, that. Oh uh, yeah, because uh, essentially playing, essentially playing what are sort of two different characters. You have the regular yeah. Lane, who's supposed to be. Or the IRL lady is supposed to be kind of like, as with before, sort of innocent, kind of like, out of sorts. Doesn't really know. Uh, doesn't really know what's going on. It's kind of t- it's kind of childish, awkward. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really know how to like get along with her friends. And then you like, and then you have Lane Wired, who's like very obtuse, creepy, like seems to, uh, see, uh, seems to know a lot more about what's going on than we do. Yeah, confidence yeah. like confronts the scientist character who trapped the kids in the kids episode and mm-hmm. is the one who I, i'm assuming the one who we meet near the end who's like wrapped up in wires and is yes. like telling mm-hmm. off um uh what's the name masami about like you were just a surrogate god you asshole and also um there's that meeting that lane has with you know the guys in the suits that take her to mm-hmm. me whoever yeah, the fuck the, his name the, is the and, men in black's boss they're yeah 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 
Yeah, pretty much. And um, Lane has that moment where she shifts from IRL Lane into Wired Lane during that interaction. Mm-hmm. And then... Which we makes have me smug lane. Which which makes me seem like Troll Lane. She have like fucking multiple personality disorder or like disassociative disorder. Like no. what is happening with her? No, no, no. Yeah. I think I think this is this is this is a reflection of people behave differently online. Yeah, it, yeah. it's both that. Like I, I the way the way I the way I write on Twitter is not the way I act in real life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean it's worth noting like we're all friends here. We we've known each other for like yeah. the better for like the better part of a decade, but like but at the same, but at the same time, like we we use a lot of, like even when we're talking, like even when we're like talking in like regular conversations, we tend to use like online handles and not like actual names, because like I yeah, don't know. yeah, and not, yeah. <laughs> and not only do we, yeah, not only do we act a little bit differently online than in the real world, but also our memories of each other is a little skewed because we only have those interactions on the internet and maybe like meeting briefly in real life that memory in each other's brains is like like the version of Amon that's in my brain may be a little different than the Amon that's in Stephanie's brain in Jet's brain and vice versa back and forth there that interpersonal like what who you are is the reason for Lane's different personalities because it's a reflection of not only where she's expressing herself but also what parts of that expression are remembered by different people here here's the thing so with lane it, it's very much implied throughout most of the show that there are two lanes which correct i can see a hundred percent where it's like oh real life lane and online personality i see that a hundred percent but how that is more or less like alluded to or portrayed makes me also think like that's where the whole multiple personality comes in or disassociative disorder because then you have like we're going going back to the line between what's real and what is online gets so blurred and there's like a huge gray area for lane that she slips into either side of those very easily and then sometimes from what i it seems to me when she comes out of wired lane and into real life lane in a in the same scene in the blink of an eye, she's confused as to what the fuck just happened. So the question you is, you know what I mean? Then, yes. Does Bridget portray both sides of those equally well? Both of them are distinct. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I do think both are distinct. I do think between the two, like. Wired Lane sounds more like what I would kind of expect from this kind of show. Yeah. <laughs> like like the, the confident go-getter attitude is what mm-hmm. you would expect? I, I mean, I wouldn't even say go-getter, just like confident, like kind of like obtuse and a little bit abstract. Like, I don't, okay, not even, okay, yeah, no, that's not the right term, but I think it's probably like ethereal, though. There we go. Okay. Ethereal okay. was kind of like the tone I would expect from this character, and like, yeah, I didn't get wired laid. Like it, it's there. Yeah, both again, both sides are distinct enough in terms of the tone of voice, the personality, but in terms of whether or not both of both sides succeed, that I would say that's more called into question because yes, of the is. problem with because of the problem again with the entirety of this dub is a consi- consistency issue um, where 
I'm not gonna lie, between the two lanes, I actually really liked the performance for Wired Lane more than I did with Real Lane. To be completely oh, honest I, with you. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's uh, Lane's problem. Her online persona is way more interesting than her real life person. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's that's the whole point, which makes a lot of sense. Is just why I I kind of I kind of um gravitate towards that. But oh, sure. even even then, there is a way to make a character like the real life Lane at least a bit more interesting. Uh, in terms of performance. And again, this goes... It, there's a lot of issues with the dub. The fact that it's it's a du- the one of its time. It, the fact that there's a lot of consistency issues. The fact that because this is going back to the timeline of like dubbing history, it's on the early outset. So probably the main priority uh, at that point for a lot of English dubs was more or less matching the Japanese performances beat by beat. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of problems, I think, on the early onset that affect the final result. And Lane herself is probably the biggest, the tr- biggest um, thing that suffers from that because she's the one who has to carry the whole show. Yeah. Bridget, and because, uh-huh. beca- yeah, be- sorry, because of that lack of consistency, it's hard to, like, really attach yourself. Um, Bridget Hoffman's performance as the in-real-life Lane matches the Japanese better than she does the wired mm-hmm. lane because her yeah. natural speaking voice and the very, uh, I want to say almost wimpy portrayal is matching mm-hmm. with that archetype in Japanese actresses. That seiyu mm-hmm. voice is, uh, you know, it, it's what she made a name for. Um, but then when she has to be in real life lane, I'm sorry, she has to be wired lane. Um, there's parts where the delivery, I don't believe the acting on there specifically. I'm calling out like, um, there's a Cheshire cat moment where she's like bitching out this talking mouth. That's, uh, you know, is not being helpful at all. And, mm-hmm. uh, I get the oh, anger yeah. and the frustration of Lane's, uh, performance, but not, I, I don't necessarily believe it. It's, it's very, le- it's much more hard to believe just because it sounds like, uh, an actress it doing a thing a bit, in a studio. Yeah. It but, sounds uh, a bit stiff kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good word for it. It sounds a bit more stiff, and that's where I guess if you're if you're drawn into Wired Lane's uh, pursuit in that part of the show, mm-hmm. then that will carry you, and you can kind of overlook right. the flatter reading. But if we're looking at this from a purely critical perspective, that mm-hmm. is definitely the weaker uh, acting performance side than the in real life timid girl voice Lane. I can see where you're coming from at the same time like even the real life lane I think has a few moments where the line reads are a bit more stiff and stilted so it's it, it kind of evens itself out I think the more interesting performance of the two weirdly enough for me is the wired lane um well, sure. despite it having those stiff moments but real life lane does have her good moments as well like it's again it's a consistency problem it's a consistency problem yeah it gets better in the second half i feel like Um, yes like they've smoothed it out um specifically Mm -hmm. in the uh the landscape episode where she's like she's covered in wires and she's talking to alice about why she kept alice's memories intact yeah And, and that that is a very um like she okay she's got it at this point like the direction mm-hmm. the writing is kind of working in sync to convey the 
yes. uh, belief that you can transfer your mentality into the internet and that mm-hmm. that is the way of the future while also uh, calling out uh, the fake god guy whose name I cannot remember, voiced by voiced by Sparky Thornton, that is... Um, <laughs> Masami. Thank you, is Masami's character. Yeah, that, that inconsistency is throughout this entire dub, um, and mm-hmm. that's going to be a real hurdle if anyone wants to listen to this in uh, English. The Japanese yeah. is more consistent, which makes it a better watch overall, but if you're okay with the... Like, they're still figuring out as they go through this, then um, I guess that's the only hurdle you have to get through in the English dub. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I will say it is at least an interesting dub to... Or it, it is at least an interesting dub to watch from... I, I mean, at least from... I, I know, I guess, if it's, like, interested in the history of older dubs. Because I mean, before, animes... Mm-hmm. Like, animes had quite a history. Again, they would go on to make some some of the dubs that are kind of known as being some of the best ever made. So, yeah. like, they definitely had a very interesting trajectory. So it is kind of interesting coming back to sort of like this and seeing... I, I guess what it was like when they were so sort of figuring stuff out. Yeah. It's, can you it's very of, interesting. Can you mm-hmm. guys think of anything, not just anime, but anything mm-hmm. uh, like visual media, movie, TV show, anything that you could have pointed to at this time period and said, okay, actors, we're going to be like that. Absolutely not. For, for, for this, uh... I mean, technically, but again, it's like it's like weird, obtuse art house shit. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. The acting in this does not is not that different from some of the stuff you'd find in there, where it's often weird and ambiguous on purpose. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, like that's I, I I don't I don't disagree with the assessment that some of the performances are uneven. It's just this feels like the kind of thing where that is not necessarily an accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. For very you know, and sometimes sometimes it's an effect that works for you as a viewer. Sometimes it isn't, et cetera, et cetera. Um. But like that, that that would be the thing I would kind of point to. Like this is very this is very artsy. It's very ambitious. Uh, I can I can see things that it is definitely coming from. But I, I I agree that I, aside from maybe a handful of things, like I think I think Perfect Blue predates this. Like some of the more kind of like artsy uh, yeah. artistic stuff from the '90s that was roughly contemporaneous to this. I don't have a lot of things I could point to and like ah, this is something from at least the anime scene that this definitely resembles. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there does from this era, the, from this era, I could, from this era, or something before actually, this era. I will I, actually, I'll, I'll correct that. I think, I think some of Oishi's movies fall close to this because he's the most art house ass director that anime had. They are uh, up until this point, so like, and probably still is. So I, I'd point to some stuff like that they he worked on. Yeah, like your, your Angel's Egg. Your exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I guess, and I don't know. I like, I don't know if this would be like final thoughts or not, but I would. I mean, like, I would at least say that there are dubs from, like, either around or, like, slightly before this era that I would say are probably, like, a little stronger than this. I wouldn't even say it's, like, wholly a product of its time. But it is, again, just, like, interesting from a very, like, yeah, clearly animated was, like, kind of coming into their brand. And in that Mm -hmm. respect, this is, like, uh, very interesting to check out. But uh, it definitely does have a lot of uh, technical problems. Yeah, but before we move to final thoughts, I do want to say one thing. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think you guys brought up... I do want to give it up to Bridget for Smug Lane. 
Smuggling. Yeah. I, I, I love smuggling. I fucking hate smuggling. So goddamn. Smuggling needs to get punched into the goddamn sun. Goddamn face every time she. <laughs> it's so. It is so fascinating to hear Bridget use the Lane voice and just make it weird and gross. Yeah. 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 Like that, especially like especially the scene when like again we've talked about it a couple times. Uh, Alice is in her room having her own mm-hmm. private private time yep. and yep. then all of a sudden she turns around because she's hearing some laughter and here's smug lane sitting on her goddamn bed laughing at her yeah like, like i want to punch yeah. her smug smuggling sucks so much and i think bridget just captures that beautifully it's like uh, we we have been on social media we mm. have met this asshole oh yeah this guy who sucks in his way too online and thinks if you block him that means he's won there's always this uh, one asshole like yeah, that so, yeah, so, uh, yeah i would say this is yeah, I would say that is probably the one aspect of, like, this show's dive to go to that I think is AIDS, the best, just... That's a, yeah, that's the idea of, like, yeah, you are never truly private on internet. I just, I just realized, did we ever state the fact that Ruby Marlowe is a pseudonym for Bridget Hoffman? <laughs> Oh, yeah. I think we did earlier. Yeah. I, I I couldn't remember if we did. I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure we've been using Bridget for this entire conversation. So. Yeah, we played okay. Koi in some previous episodes of this podcast where it's like, okay, we'll... we'll yeah, like, yeah, I, it's yeah, been I 25 feel, years. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it's just like, yeah, if we're dealing with Daz of a certain time period, it's like, at the time, these aliens weren't even like, for beauty purposes, it was just like, hey, it would just be like, hey, it would be fun yeah. to use a name. Yeah. It would be fun to use a name for this. Sparky Thornton! <laughs> Yeah, I, I like I like bringing them up because I think they are interesting and emblematic mm-hmm. of the period. But like sure. at this point, except I think for David Bloom and David Lucas, you click on any of these pseudonyms, it brings you to the real actors page. Right. Like, right. Uh, like these are not like these are not secrets anymore. Yeah, it's it's more like nowadays pseudonyms are used for like specific reasons. Sometimes yes. it's union reasons, or sometimes it's because they're doing material that they don't necessarily want their real names associated with. If we had so. ever gotten to do that episode on interspecies species reviewers that we were supposed to do <laughs> oh, we would no. totally kept the, we would have kept the pseudonyms we would not have spoiled that absolutely oh, yeah absolutely. Uh, never um, gonna get that i know i know right. kusabi Damn. stares off in the distance um <laughs> oh uh so do do we want to move on to final uh, yeah, so bridget's wonderful as smuggling that's that and uh Masami are like my favorite performances in this just because they're the worst. (laughs) Just the fucking worst. Punch him into the Um, sun, it's fine. It is so weird. Uh, It is weird hearing mm -hmm. Bridget say lines like, uh, like, um, who wants to know what uh, she's thinking about when she plays with herself or I'm committing suicide. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Those are some fun lines, man. You're right. Bridget is very good at smuggling. It's a shame that she wasn't like more prominent throughout the show just for the troll factor of it <laughs> uh do do we want to move on to final thoughts sure yeah sure all right um who wants to go first i, th- I think i'll go watch it because uh, there is something i'm gonna bring out that's probably gonna make some people very upset okay all right. all right i'll go ahead then um uh this is um i'm gonna make uh one point on this um like i think i've gotten all my thoughts about the dub out there um, mm-hmm. If you're okay with older sounding dubs and the cryptic uh, language that explains the tech mentality that's going into this show, then you will dig the dub and you will survive just fine. But what I wanted to end off with is um, the way to understand this show. Um, if you guys ever uh, read the books Jumanji and the Polar Express? I have not uh, read no, the ha- books, but... You've yeah, I have not read the books. Bu- not read the books, but I am, like, 
infinitely familiar with the Jumanji movie. I have read the books. I've actually, okay. Well, okay, I bring them both up because they are both written by a Grand Rapids, Michigan native called Chris Van Allsburg. And the reason I bring this up is because uh, he had a habit of, has a habit of writing very surreal children's books like Jumanji Mm -hmm. and um, Polar Express. One of the books that he wrote is called um, The Mysteries of Harris Burdick. And what it is, is it's a book where it's just one picture the title and a caption framed as if they are like fragments of lost stories that's supposed to let your mind interpret what uh, is supposed to happen in the stories. And it's like, they're not interconnected stories. They're individual stories. Like one of them is about a ship that gets lost in the canals of Venice. One of them has like floating chairs with a nun on them. The reason I bring that up is because the way to interpret Lane is to think of each episode as its own individual chapter of a philosophy course and you just need to pay attention to the title of the episode and the first line that's said by the omnipresent narrator throughout of it if you can pay attention to that you will understand the themes that each episode is trying to get to the psych episode is all about trying to get a sense about what is real and what isn't real the distortion episode is all all about like the internet is the next stage of human evolution so Take that as your way to interpret the show. The, the, we've talked about the tub as it is right now. I love it. And that mentality, that little way to interpret each episode, is the way I was able to mostly understand what the show's individual themes were trying to be. This is why I like being friends with you, Noah. Love some some Mysteries of Harris Verdict comparisons. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yes, that, and that's all I have to say about that. All right, Steph, you want to go? Oh boy. Um, good lord, where do I, even, where, what do I even say? Um, so as I've pretty much alluded to throughout the course of this episode, the show and its story it is very poignant even today when you look at th- things such as the advent of technology, the internet, um, our relationship with the internet and technology um and even the themes and philosophical things about um your identity and and existential crises such as with your identity and your sense of self um so as a as a story and themes lane is just as prevalent now as it is 25 years ago like that's not a question um when it comes to when it comes to how the modern day anime fan and viewers should go into the show if they do decide to um just know it is a very slow burn do not try to marathon the show um it is not a show you can marathon absolutely not even Uh. i had a very difficult i i had a I, i said this earlier i had a very difficult time trying to get to this show myself for the full for the first time fully sure um and i was doing it in three episode batches like uh it's yeah it is it is not a show you should like straight marathon especially with some of its some of the themes and stuff it's more thought-provoking than anything so it, it, it the show requires you not only to kind of understand some of those some of those basic uh philosophies but also you should allow your time yourself some time to digest some of what it's trying to say in terms of the dub 
it has not aged very well, unfortunately. Um, it is very inconsistent. I don't like using the phrase a product of its time, but it very much is. Because of the lack of consistency and because of the fact that the focus on performances was more to match the Japanese rather than really kind of express what's going on in the show and tell the story to an English audience, it ends up being a detriment overall. There are some shining moments in the sh in the dub, don't get me wrong. There are some shining moments. The script is actually a really good adaptation for what it is, especially with all of the subject matter involved. It's just because in terms of dubbing history, because it is in this weird, in, the, in this little early state where English dubs aren't really being treated like like, I guess kind of, I guess for lack of better phrasing, like the star quality that you see today and how they're produced and made. Like, it, 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 it might also turn some viewers off. Um, I know I had a hard time with it at points, but if you are into shows like Lane and you can tolerate the inconsistencies of the dub, you're going to get enjoyment out of this. Um... All, what I do know is I'm not going to be watching this show again for a while, but I feel like when the time comes for me to just have a rewatch just for shits and giggles, there will probably be things that I pick up more so on another watch rather than I did the first time. Um, so your mileage is going to vary with the show 100% and your mileage is going to vary with this dub. Like, that's really it. <laughs> I will say the the kind of people who want to rewatch this are going to be like do you miss the mid 90s like do you miss grunge do you miss uh art avant-garde music videos do you miss trippy guitar music playing over people <laughs> contemplating about analog technology of the day then this is the show for you do i have a show for you boys and girls i really like this show this like lane in general is a thing that like it's it appeals to me. It's probably one of those things that uh, is why I like watching this when I was a teenager on tech TV is probably part of the reason I enjoy this kind of crap. Um, <laughs> I think I think the dub is a solid dub for what the show requires. I do think that means it is a little clunky. It is also very clearly from like the late 90s. Um, if you're into this sort of artsy bullshit, I think that might be a little easier to kind of get over some of its flaws. Um, and if nothing else, it, I think it is a very interesting time period, time piece of where anime dubbing was kind of in that like that late 90s period where like cowboy bebop's coming out soon i think there's you know you're you're starting to get a little you know you start working in the you're you're on the path to like you know nowadays anime dubs are all pretty consistently at least good mm -hmm. like you, you very rarely see really wretched anime dubs anymore yeah. Um, oh, yeah. and i feel like kind of this is made around the time where i feel like that ascent to that peak starts really happening on a more consistent level um, it's not quite there yet, though, and I think this is kind of an interesting, this is an interesting, like, peak at kind of where it was before that really, that ascent really started to become noticeable. Would you say that yeah. the show is, like, uh, a relic of the OVA era that we had in the late 80s for anime? It does, I mean, it feels a little bit like that, just, like, this is one of these things where I, sometimes I think it's like, it's weird this was on TV. 
Yeah, uh, and I know a lot of anime is it like you know it's broadcasted like two in the morning and it's mostly aimed at otaku, so like you know limited audience in the first place. But it's almost kind of like it's weird that there was a period where something like this was viewed as even broadly commercial in yeah. some capacity. Like this will be on TV, we'll put out DVDs. It will ma- we are making it in some capacity to make some kind of money. Um. Like it, it is, it is, it is also kind of an interesting example of like just a style of anime I think that has long since fallen out of favor, barring random one-offs like Sunny Boy that are basically the product of a guy who <laughs> worked his butt off doing adaptations and then got to do a passion project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and anything else by the same director is it looks exactly like this. Too. Uh, not not the same mm-hmm. uh, like techno uh, cyberpunk look to it, but Ryutaro Nakamura really liked this sketchy comic booky looking uh animation mm-hmm. so if you like that look check out those other stuff like kino's journey or uh the original life of gusko Bidori anime movie very interesting director mm-hmm. yeah I will, I will i will also say i do i do enjoy i i am a fan of um yoshitoshi abe's like art style yes uh, and it is it is always very interesting to see um how on shows where he's not also the director how people interpret his character designs because mm-hmm. uh, you can get some like um i feel like five years ago there was some time travel show that was just kind of middling that had them and it, it kind of turned them into very like generic yeah era yeah, dead the the, the, uh, the episode that never fucking happened with us because none of none of us cared enough to bother oh yeah that was <laughs> a boring. hard one yeah oh yeah you want to talk um, about boring shows? Holy in slow burns! Holy fuck! Uh, but, but like you know, he he did the designs for that, and in the mm-hmm. actual show, they're they're kind of generic looking. Like you yeah. can't quite you know you wouldn't know you they were by tell. him if you didn't if someone didn't tell you. And I like this goes in the opposite direction where it just kind of leans into all like it just makes them more weird. Like all the big eyes just get kind of like you know everyone's staring at you like they've just been horribly traumatized. Like I yeah. I, I find that look very interesting. <laughs> and then you have Haibane Renme. <laughs> That yeah, exactly. exists. Which I'm directed, best. which is why it looks yeah. like that. I yeah, love the best example of his style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jet, do you want to go? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, so, uh, yeah, this is uh, pretty interesting to come back to. I haven't seen the show in uh, quite a so, in, uh, quite a few years. I don't even remember exactly what it was. I watched it the first time, but uh, it was it was interesting to come it was interesting to come back to it. I the dub is uh, again. I feel like saying product product of its time isn't like quite right because i mean there are dubs from this time period that aren't quite as shaky as this is so like i don't know if proctor at the time is quite the app description and again as mentioned before animes would say animes this time would develop into pretty major ways as they went along and even uh pretty closely following this dub so uh yeah it's definitely a very uh interesting time in their uh, developmental period but uh yeah, it's simply not it's simply not their best work, which is kind of unfortunate. But it is, uh, I it is at least serviceable for the type of show this is. And if you're interested in checking the show itself out, like it'll it, it, it'll do you fine. It probably won't like it, it probably won't completely turn you off if you're just interested in the show in general. I think as a piece of um, history, not just like anime history, but like dubbing history it's a very interesting thing to look at from a technical standpoint in that regard yeah uh yeah and uh, as for the show itself uh, as for the show itself it, it's definitely interesting and kind of uh weird sort of art housing you don't really see uh made a lot these days because it's definitely not the sort of thing that's uh as commercially viable as it used to be in the 90s but uh it's, uh, it's definitely interesting it's definitely interesting to watch and uh 
and it's part and it's parts of this that are like really poignant and uh, really interesting to reflect uh, and uh, really interesting to reflect to in modern day and uh, so uh, definitely ahead of its time in some respects. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, if you want to watch Lane, <laughs> why wouldn't you after this glowing recommendation? <laughs> uh, well, you can get the you can get the uh, Pioneer release, which is super out of print. You can get the Jamion release, which is super out of print. You can get the Funimation release, which is super out of print. And it is not one of the Funimation titles that it's made its leap over to Crunchyroll. So currently, if you want to watch this legally, uh, you will need to brush off your old Funimation subscription Mm -hmm. and watch it there. Full disclosure, part of the reason I wanted to do this is because this might realistically be the last time we can cover this show under our own rules. Yeah, uh, that, that's I don't, fair. I don't have a lot of faith in this being, like, you know, Discotech might pick it up at some point, I don't know, but I don't see this as one of the ones CR is going to bother re-upping for when they when the license runs out. No, you know? yeah, when, I, when, I was talking to, when I was talking to Andrew about it yesterday in terms of um, availability, he thinks that because it hasn't sli- switched over to Crunchyroll yet... Um, it, they're probably just going to let the license re- uh, lapse. So I, f- I, fi- I find that very plausible, and that's yeah. kind of why I wanted to get this in, get it in. No, hundred percent. No, I will say I will say that if you're looking on the used video market, it would probably be less expensive to hunt down the Pioneer Genion DVD release than it would be the Blu-ray yes. release because the Funimation yes. Blu-ray release, especially the uh, the LE that they put out back in like 2009, 2010, or something. Is a no, lot it was it was tw- it was 2012. Was it? It was 2012, and then the anime the anime classics version. I remember this because one of the first conversations I ever had with Artie was arguing about it being a limited release. I just remember a whole bunch of people just uh, being mad, being mad about that release for some reason or another. It was expensive. That's all it, it, it was. was. Exp- it was pricey. I think it was on the early onset of those like bigger like limited release kind of things for Funimation at the time. I think that might have been it. Um, but I, yeah, I, when I looked at the Lane stuff earlier, the LE version that Funimation put out was 2012, and then two years later, the Anime Classics version, which is the one I have okay. actually, was uh, 2014. Um, that was when that one came out. So uh, you might be able to find the Anime Classics version potentially at reasonable price, but the LA, LE set, oh, good fucking luck. Yeah, yeah, if you're if you're hunting around, I would suggest trying to keep an eye out for the DVDs. I think mm-hmm. there are probably more yeah. of them, and they are probably a little easier to come by for not like comically overpriced prices. Especially since the Blu-ray versions exist. Can I also say we never fucking touched about talked about this real quick? If you watch the Blu-ray like upscale of it, it is fucking gorgeous. Oh, yeah. it, there is there is nothing fucking funnier than watching the bits in the opening that are clearly like a <laughs> camera pointed at a shitty VHS dub of some animation they did yeah. in glorious high definition. It, it is, is so weird. It is so crisp and clean. The Blu-ray render is so gorgeous. Where is the static? Where I asked this, you. This is by far the prettiest the show has ever looked. So in that regard, the yes. Blu-ray is worth tracking down if you can find it, but also it will be very expensive, which is yes. very sad. And the streaming version is like Blu-ray level quality. Um, yes. Just, no, the streaming ups- version is clearly high def. Yeah. 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 And, and, which, which raises the question about what you should watch, because I watched both the, the Genion DVD release, which is what I have the home mm-hmm. media release for, and on the Funimation website, just to kind of contrast the two. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Funimation version looks much nicer, absolutely. And if you're more inclined to watch stuff that's in pristine HD quality, there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel like mm-hmm. watching it in that format kind of ruins the effect of what they were going for. Like, they were clearly going for a scrappy cyberpunk ni- late 90s look to it, and that kind of fits with watching it on the DVD I... release. 
I I, 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 like, I appreciate the HD upgrade that it, yeah. like, if you're gonna put on Blu-ray, that's the way to go, but, like, late, it does feel like kind of a show where the best way to watch it is on, like, your friend taped it off TV and the commercials are still there. Like, <laughs> that kind of feels like the, that feels like the, yeah. that feels like the real way to watch Lane. Mm, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, I got curious and wanted to see how much the Blu-ray was going for. Oh, no, what'd you find? Yeah, so I checked Amazon. Apparently it's going for, uh, 123 right now, which is actually less than I was expecting. Wh- which version? Is it the LE or the Anime Classics one? Yeah, the classic one is going for one twenty three. Okay, Oof. that's not bad. That all things considered, I think yeah. I think I think what was it? Andrew looked up the other day or something for shits and giggles. Like the Ellie set, someone looked it up. I don't remember if it was Andrew or one of you guys. Like the Ellie was going for like at easily two hundred dollars or more. Somebody looked right. it up. That, that's still less than I would expect. It was a friend, mm-hmm. Greg. It was your. It was a friend. What did he say that they saw for the Ellie set for Lane? I don't know if it was Ellie or not, but they said it went. Some of it was going up to two hundred. Yeah, two hundred. It might be the classics version. But either Cause, way, anyway, because Jet found one for like one twenty three. But anyway, if it, goes, sorry. if it goes out of print, we are not going to condemn you if you decide to it go. Is out of route. print. No, no, it I mean, is out of print. If it's not streaming legally anymore, sorry. Okay, that's viewer, viewers at home. I don't know what you do in your spare time, nor do I particularly care. Use your best judgment. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, if you, but you should, you should, however, seek out our stuff. We're easy to find. Hell yeah! Uh, you can find us here on YouTube, where you're probably watching us, or on your favorite podcast catcher, where you're probably listening to us. Uh, we are also on. Uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Tumblr, blah, blah, blah. We're probably going to try and get a Blue Sky account at some point and maybe elsewhere if Twitter finally implodes. Who knows? Question mark, shruggies. Um, we however, refuse we to do, call what, it what, the new name. We refuse to call it the new it's name. It's always Twitter, let's be real. I don't, I, don't, I don't fucking care if the stadium downtown is technically the garden. It's the Fleet Center. I don't care if that one bridge is called the Mario Cuomo Bridge. It's the fucking Tappan Z, all right? Exactly. I, I don't <laughs> care what they call the Chicago Tower. It will always be the Sears Tower. You can't make me call it the See, Willis Tower. <laughs> yeah, exactly, See, we exactly. All, we, all, we all understand this in sense. Yes. It makes sense. Um... Anyways, but what we do have that is consistent is, well, for one, we have a Ko-fi where you can make a one-time donation to help support us. And we also have a Patreon if you want to make more, cons- you know, long-term donations to us. Uh, and if you donate enough money, you'll get your name right out on an episode. Like so. Thank you to our $5 patrons, Megan's mom and dad, Michelle Travis, and Victor Mayberoda. And thank you to our $10 patrons, Anthony Brown, Kali Lestikow, Julia W., Kimwa Soup, Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. You're all very lovely. Uh, uh, friends, where can we find you on the internet? You can follow me on Twitter. I'm going to still call it Twitter. At Noah Clue. Uh, love to discuss things like uh, pimping the Lackadaisy uh, Kickstarter, which, I'm sorry, it's not a Kickstarter, it's a Baccarat uh, account. But basically, uh, if it's still going at this point and you haven't donated to it, donate to Lackadaisy because they need to get all the support. They just passed $1 million as of today. I want to get them to $2 million. Nice. Yeah, Give Spike right. Trotman your money. <laughs> Cat videos forever. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Steph, do you want to go? Sure. Uh, my name is Stephanie. Also, sometimes on the internet, I am known as Lilac. You can follow me on uh, Twitter because I'm calling that still forever and always. You can't fucking change my mind, Musk. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review with review being spelled R E V U E. I also have a TikTok account. Fucking hello. I also have a TikTok account, um, the same username, where I post either one of three things either me doing random fucking TikTok filters, uh, videos of my cat, because he's adorable and also a gremlin child, 
and <laughs> videos of my escapades seeing Broadway shows <laughs> because I'm insane like that. Um, also, and I know Amon did not mention this, um, at the time of recording this specific episode, and hopefully if we can get things back up and running on our end, um, Andrew and I will be back streaming on Twitch by this point, <laughs> uh, on the Dub Talk podcast Twitch account, if you want to go and check us out playing games from there. At the time of recording this, I think our plan is to do um, the second season of Telltale's Batman, and then after that, I think we might be tackling Project Raincoat. I think that's the current plan. Uh, but we just got a new capture card and I got to test it in the next few days. So, <laughs> see if it works. But yeah, that that's all I'm doing. Alright, uh, Jet? Well, yeah, uh, as for me, you can uh, find me on Twitter, at Divinega, where I'll usually just be, uh, I don't know, ranting about uh, anime, cartoons, or politics, or something, I don't know. Uh, you can also find me another podcast, Podcast Today, where usually we talk about anime news alongside the little desktop source Andrew. And a new thing, well, I guess new by the time I'm uh, recording this, uh, I have a blog, I have a new blog I started a few months ago, The Nerdy Abyss, where uh, mostly for the moment I'm just kind of talking about whatever Jody Jet blog I'm reading. So, uh, nice! Uh, so, so I guess if you feel like uh, reading my ramblings about that, uh, you can look more about it. Cool. But which version of Jet is it? Is it the U? Is it the wired version? Is it the or is it or is, is, is it smug jet? Is it smug jet? Smug jet. <laughs> You'll never know. Oh no, not smug jet. You will yeah, never uh, know. Yeah, I'd be smug for like five seconds and like immediately cry about it. Oh no! <laughs> uh, oh no! Oh shit! Uh, uh, and you can find me, Amon. Uh, I'm at AmonDuelUS on Twitter. I'm also on Blue Sky and co-host if you prefer those sites now. Uh, I post about movies and comic books and crap. And I also like talking about music. Um, and I have, a, I have a belabored, dusty old song to talk about. Uh, music in the show is great. We I love barely all of it. talked about um, the guitar work on this. This show is awesome. As far this as is great. Goes. Uh, this is uh, the, the opening duvet by Boa has been one of my like <gasps> all-time anime openings basically yes. since I saw it. Like It's great. It's gorgeous. Um, fun, fun fact about Boa, uh, they are not Japanese. They're a British band. You don't say. Oh. Uh, and uh, actually, they, they have famous people connections, apparently. I found this out doing research. Uh, the two of the members are uh, the guitar player Steve Rogers, who's one of the founders. And after they were around for a while, uh, his sister Jasmine ended up joining. And they're the kids of a guy named Paul Rogers, who you might know for three things. Okay. He was the lead singer of the band Free, of the song All Right Now fame. Okay. Uh, he was the lead singer of Bad Company, if you're oh, familiar okay. with them. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, and for, 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 a, for a decent long while, he was the lead vocalist of the reformed version of Queen. Oh like my god! Okay, uh, yeah. Like, so if you if you saw the if you saw them during the Paul Rogers plus uh, the Queen plus Paul Rogers years, he's that Paul Rogers. Oh damn! Okay. Uh, that was weird because like Paul Rogers is a very good singer, but he's not the kind of person I would pick to replace Freddie Mercury. But I did hear some performances. Like he's not bad. He's just uh, to be I don't fair, know, the energy's weird. Uh, to be fair, who could you get to replace Freddie Mercury? Whose I, name is not look, David I, Bowie. I, Look, I will. I will Adam just say Lambert? When, when, well, I, I'm going to say when when Paul Rogers stopped doing it, they replaced him with Adam Lambert, and I thought that's more who I'd pick to replace. Freddie About to Mercury. say, that have you never sense. seen Adam Lambert performing with Queen? He's actually really good. 
I haven't. I actually no, I have not. I'm sorry. I'm He's a actually really snob. good. I'll take your um, word for it. However, uh, Bo are great, but are not the person I want. I want to champion this episode. For that, I want to go to a different person. Mm -hmm. uh, this got a couple of soundtracks released. My favorite of which is Siberia Mix, which is basically like a fake dance mix that, as of, would have been played in the Siberia Club in the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as I know, uh, some of the music by there is by Akira Takamoto, who does like the regular soundtrack. But a bunch of the songs in there are by a guy named Chikata JJ Wasai. Uh, he is actually in the show. JJ, the DJ from Siberia, is played by this uh, guy. No shit! Japanese. I was wondering if that oh, JJ oh. was a reference. At first I thought that's it was... Interesting. Yes, no, that's interesting! That is, that is literally him in the show. That's funny, uh, okay. So, so, you're so you're telling me that he was literally playing music JJ style. God! Okay, that's it. Noah, <laughs> you're funny. get, I like get you. the fuck out. Um, however, he, he is a real DJ, and, um, since, uh, like, starting in, like, the late 2010s, he basically started making kind of sequel, uh, DJ mixes in the vein of that Siberia Club mix, and for a while he was actually doing, like, he'd do, like, weekly live streams on his YouTube channel, where he would do, like, uh, you know, club mixes, basically. Uh, they're fun stuff, like, if you're into that kind of, like, late 90s sort of dance stuff, like, check him out, he's good, like, he's a legit guy. All right. All right, so thank you for this extremely long ramble about a very old show you haven't heard of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we hope you all had fun. Now, if you excuse me, I have to go ruin people's lives because I'm an asshole on the internet. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> but that's okay. I know, I'm disappointed in me too. Aww, that's, okay. well, that's we'll a sad be, day. We'll all be interconnected. We'll all be sharing in the assholery together. It is just our re-emergence of everyone being one in the same as it was the beginning and will be in the end of time. Let's all love Lane. Let's all love Lane. Let's all love Lane. Let's all love Lane. Let's Rock over Boston, rock on Chicago. Good night, folks. Aloha. Otaku on my friends. Good night, everybody. Rest in peace, Triangle Staff. Rest in peace.